Talk Live. We're launching into the live Saturday edition of the program. The toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us online over at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features that are waiting for you. They're completely free. Uh, Unlike those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their websites. Uh, We give it away, and you can enjoy over at freetalklive.com. In fact, you can create the content on the site. What you see there when you go to the main page, those numbered items as you scroll down the page, they were placed there by listeners like you. You can submit something to the site, and then it must receive a certain number of votes from other site users in order to be promoted to the front page and the top of the website. The top story on the site right now is about the parents of a 16-year-old suicidal boy who called the police in the hopes of uh, having them help out, but they ended up killing their son. Uh, the police did, that is. This does seem to happen a lot when uh, people, when, when you know, somebody's suicidal and, and folks call 911 because they don't know how to handle the situation. It, it, it seems like, you know, I mean, I don't, I, I think that generally the police are taught when you're dealing with somebody with a gun, you shoot them. But, you know, Mark, we've, uh, you pointed this out before the show, and it's something I've been thinking of earlier this week as I've been doing show prep every night. There's just been so many bad cop stories. It's been overwhelming. And we've talked about it quite a bit just in the last week. Uh, so I don't I think go somewhere of it different as, tonight. I, I don't think of it as bad cops. I, what I think of it as is, is, you know, what we need is a new paradigm in protection services. I think that, uh, you know, when, when policing services were created about 150 years ago, the first police force was in London in like 1850. So policing is really very new. Our Constitution didn't even address it because mm-hmm. it didn't exist. Um, and that it it came to light in an era that was far there was far less accountability when you think about the 19th century and uh, you know robber barons and you know all these ideas that people have of things at that time you don't think of video cameras you don't think of uh, people being able to audio and video record on their smartphones and stream it live to the internet and so uh, you know the, the the policing departments came to uh, you know the, the maturity in an era that had far less accountability. I think that the the governed the uh, the citizen the civilian populace out there that we're clamoring at this point for a different type of uh, protection. But most people don't know that there can be anything different. I mean, it's the police are what the police are, and that's the way it's been, and so that's the way it will continue to be. So well, introducing radical ideas like, uh, hey, let's have competition in the area of protection. Let's have a, an open market in protection. It's just it's so hard for people to grasp that. The government is has portrayed itself through government schools and every other place in our society as it, as the, the uh, arbiter of fairness. Mm-hmm. So therefore, um, they must be the ones that decide uh, you know what's fair in any given situation. They run the courts. They run the police. They run everything. And I think that people are becoming far less convinced that the government is fair. I mean, clearly nobody would consider either political party to be fair. Then how in the world could a government made of those two political parties be fair? Let's go to the phones. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Then coming up, there's a story about a a man who was a Christian who decided he was going to go gay for a year and see what that was like. I've really got to hear this. I have not read this story. We'll get to that here in a moment. Uh, but the pizza guy is on the line in Fargo, North Dakota. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, just wanted to call and uh, give an update, I guess, a response to the Facebook post. I didn't want to respond directly and expose myself as who I really am. Um, I so see. A lot of people are just telling me just, just to walk away. 
you know, and I, I think that's really. Well, let's um, talk about what you're ca- what you mean uh, here. You're talking about the house that you are stuck with, or at least you feel stuck with, uh, because just to recap briefly, you. Oh, we lost him. I don't know what happened there, but uh, that call just dropped. But to recap briefly for our listeners that weren't tuned in last night, uh, the pizza dude called from Fargo. This is the guy who called a while back to talk about how he purchased a home in the middle of the dead of winter in Fargo. Mm-hmm. And then the next spring started to notice a horrific smell as things started to heat up outside. Turns out when they had the home inspected, the inspector didn't notice an old crawl space that had been walled off. Uh, between floors where the pre- the prior owners, uh, who are about 80 or 90 years old, had 67 cats living in the house, and a number of those cats had decided to live up in the crawl space where they did what cats do when they're living somewhere and uh, poop uh, and urinate all over the place. And so that had started to uh, get pretty rancid in oh boy. The, the heat. Uh, he you know, spent all kinds of money cleaning that up, all kinds of money cleaning I'll bet. that up, and he couldn't do anything to the prior owners because they were, you know, they had no money at that point. They basically took all the money from the sale of the home and had spent it on their medical bills, mm-hmm. uh, so they had nothing. So he had no, you know, legal road to get any kind of. I always wonder about ra- yeah, the inspectors in, in that situation. How is it that the inspectors are released from liability? They come in, they say this house is great, or this house has this know. problems, maybe and when you, you fix sign it? some sort of form releasing them from liability, but or I've maybe never heard of have... anyone ever suing an inspector. Yeah, I guess they're maybe they're immune. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. If you're an inspector and you can answer at eight five five four fifty free is our toll free number. But uh, he called last night because he spent the last year or two of his life basically dedicating all of his free time to repairing his home. And because he feels like it's his house, he's stuck with it, and he he didn't sell it right out the gate. Uh, it would have been hard to sell anyway with all the problems that it, that it had. And his question for us, and I think what he was calling about tonight, Mark, was to ask you your opinion because you aren't on my on the uh, the Saturday show here on Free Talk Live. Right? I am on the you Saturday. aren't on the Friday show. Yes. Sorry, Friday is my one day off a week. Right. So he'd called about this last week, and we asked a question on Facebook, and folks were responding to him saying you should bail, you should get out of this. And his question was, well, you know, now that he's poured in all of this time and all of this money, it's not even done yet. He's still got another, you know, year's worth of work uh, ahead of him, basically trying to make this thing, you know, livable. I mean, they're they're living in it, but it's apparently open in a lot of ways. And you know, winter winter time's going to begin again in Fargo. They spent one winter living in the house uh, last year, and now it's going to happen again. Uh, it's just an absolute nightmare. He's heard about some sort of federal program that lets you have $24,000 to repair a house, but you have to stay in the house for 10 more years after that. Oh, boy. And that's, a, that's a big commitment. I think the best uh, suggestion that came in last night from one of our listeners was that he should try to sell the house so he can cut his losses and advertise that, hey, you could get this federal program to help fix the place to whoever it is that you know might buy it from him. Hmm. And or the possibility of just repairing it and then moving out of it and renting the place out uh, to to people without you know telling the feds that he's left uh, to, if if he takes that program. So those were some of the suggestions last night because obviously he doesn't want to take the federal welfare. I mean that's not it's it's hard for liberty minded folks to do that. But what do you think, Mark? I, mean, I don't think that there's any problem taking uh, you know money from the government if the government's passing it out. But is there a problem taking the money from the government and then not living in the house as they require for the money? 
I don't think so. That's what I said last night. I said, I don't think there's a problem scamming criminals. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't agree with fraud, but I think that if the people have stolen money from you, then it's it's not a big deal to scam them. I, I had a situation in Florida where they give you a certain amount. They give you like a, a, a tax credit uh, on your property taxes for living in a particular house. Homesteading exemption. Yeah, a homesteading exemption. And I um, you know, moved out of a house and was renting it. And you know, I continued to collect the homestead exemption. And I just don't, as far as I'm concerned, taxes are theft. Yeah. And it's just theft done done under the color of law. It is some people, not me, and most of them long dead, that have sat down and said, "This is what we shall do to run the nation." And uh, you know, I didn't I didn't get to participate in this. Uh, no one asked me whether or not I participate in this. The social contract ha- does not bear my signature, and so if they're stealing then try to get the thieves to steal less and i don't think there's anything wrong with that that's how i feel about it you know the the analogy it's not like i lied to them i just failed to tell them something i don't think it's wrong to lie in the case if you're under duress i mean if somebody is threatening your life give me your wallet or else and uh, you hand over your wallet and they say is that all you got and you say that's it and there's you know a wad of hundred dollar bills in your back pocket that's not you know that there's nothing immoral about telling that lie i don't think so 855-450-FREE. You can share your thoughts. And if you want, you can talk about what you do in an awful uh, housing situation like that. How do you cut your losses? And you know, the, how do you lose as little as money as possible in a situation like that? Also coming up, the straight man who's a Christian has decided to live a year as a gay man. We'll tell about, uh, talk about his story here. 855-450-FREE. The SACL CAI toll-free line. You take control. It's Free Talk Live. Teaching without preaching the ideals of liberty. To young and old alike, Libertania, The Liberation of Conformia, is a picture book which tells the story of Thomas the Candymaker and his trip from the free land of Libertania to the statist land of Conformia, where he deals with border crossings, fiat money, business regulations, and corrupt officials. With his civil disobedience and run for office, Conformia will never be the same. Go to Libertania.com to purchase your copy today in print or Kindle format. For a discount code, check out the Libertania Facebook page. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want here. The live Saturday edition of the program in studio with you. It's Ian. And Mark. 855-450-FREE is the toll-free number. 1-855-450-3733. And you can join us on our website. Don't forget, freetalklive.com. We give you all the features for free there. And those features include the Shrine of Female listeners with the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send in their validated photo or video showing that they're listeners of the program. Go to shrine.freetalklive.com to see that. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. And don't forget to uh, learn a little bit about BitInstant. BitInstant.com is the place where you can go and get your Bitcoins. If you don't know what a Bitcoin is, it's an online, peer-to-peer, open-source currency. It's money for the internet that allows you to send and receive money without paying any fees. If you're a merchant, the chargebacks are done at your discretion. No one has access to your account. It cannot be frozen. It cannot be tampered with. Uh, No one can inflate Bitcoins. And uh, Bitcoins are mathematically impossible to counterfeit them. 
So go to bitinstant.com, get your bitcoins. Bitinstant.com has more than 1 million locations in more than 30 countries. They are truly the largest uh, bitcoin oriented company out there and i think and we're proud to be affiliated with them it's bitinstant.com let's go to the phones too. the fun talk to jim listening in daytona beach jim you're on free talk live oh uh, yeah i didn't hear the uh, whole story about the uh, guy with the house but based on what i heard tonight i worked in real estate for for many many years and i would think if he could establish which it sounds like it would be fairly easy to do that the owners knew of this issue and did not disclose this to him that he would have an action against them. But they have no they, money. Well, that doesn't matter. They they may have uh, they may have assets that he doesn't know about. He he may not understand uh, what the mm. possibilities are to collect. Sometimes people have liability insurance and other means by which you can collect money from them, even if they don't have assets. So he may want to talk to an attorney about about that claim. Also. There could be the possibility of a claim against any real estate agent that was involved via their errors and omissions insurance, as well as the uh, inspector and their errors and omissions insurance. Now, if all that were to fail, the other thing that he could probably do is to call his lender and explain to the lender, and his attorney could do this, look, we're going to walk away from this house that has this environmental hazard and if he got a, a, a dollar figure and said to fix this house would cost X amount of dollars, and I'll stay here if you as the bank will remedy the problem, um, the bank might be willing to do that sort of in the spirit of what a lot of short sales and loan modifications are that are going on rather than to see him walk away and then them stuck hmm. with this house that they're going to ultimately have to resolve that issue with anyway because that represents you know their collateral in the transaction as well. But you know, it, it, I would not throw my hands up in the air and say there's nothing to do here but walk away. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of possibilities. Now, just having dealt with uh, lenders in the situation of a short sale, I've got to say that these are probably seem to be the most unmotivated people in the world. I mean, that uh, you know, these these short sales are losses of tens of thousands, in some case hundreds of thousands of dollars in equity. And, you know, just because the house begins to deteriorate with no one in it and all kinds of things happen, people come and they t- rip out the, the, the copper. Um, and the banks just don't seem to be motivated by it. I don't know if it's uh, the bureaucracy of the banks or... Well, you know, here's, here's really the truth behind it. And I've wondered that myself, you know, why does a short sale take a year to be approved? I mean, the numbers are the numbers. The bank knows what they're facing. They can make that decision in a day as as quickly as they could in a year. It would make really no difference. But the reason that they slow walk those short sales is because they're trying to keep as many properties off the market as they can because the more every additional house that comes on the market reduces the value of all the other houses that they already have in their portfolio that are on the market. So they're sort of trying to rig the market. By, and this is what a lot of people don't realize is what we call the phantom inventory, how many, you know, really almost maybe, uh, you know, over a million houses that the banks technically should be taking back now, but are not because they don't want to flood uh, the market with these houses. So, you know, I think that might be a little bit of an illusion there as far as why they take so long to uh, do this. But I I think if this guy were to talk to an attorney, um, like a real estate attorney, yeah, a real estate attorney, any, any professional, that had their finger in that transaction, all the way from the real estate agents, the real estate broker above the agent, um, the the inspector, 
and there might have been more than one inspector involved, any type of mortgage company that was involved. A lot of mortgage companies also independently do their own inspection. So it would seem to me that he has several people just as a consumer to say, look, I'm just a consumer, and I hired all these professionals, and they all dropped the ball, that, that at some point uh, he might have a claim against someone. And even if that person doesn't have any assets, a lot of these professionals have insurance for this type of situation that comes up, you know, one out of every you know, 100,000 deals turns out to be squirrely like this, and that's why you carry the, carry the errors and omissions insurance, and, and that would give him a, uh, someone to go after ultimately as an insurance company might Excellent uh, suggestions. Yeah, this is what they call crowdsourcing knowledge, and I really love that Free Talk Live has the ability for people to call in, because it, makes, it really makes the show itself look very smart. Well, yeah, I and mean, Jim, right, thank you for you all, uh, for all thanks, that. Hey, Jim. one other thing. So you're saying that an inspector, uh, that they do have insurance for these sorts of things? They should have insurance. I don't know. You know, every state has its own different real estate laws. And so in some states, for example, an inspector doesn't even have to have a license or anything. They can just say, I'm an inspector. Mm-hmm. In, in most states, though, they are regulated and would have to carry some amount of insurance for this, you know, very kind of a situation. But uh, the attorney will start by making a list of all of the people involved, including the seller, and trying to figure out, you know, where can we go to try to find the money to make this right. Do you and think that, uh, be, Jim, do you think that because it's been over a year since the, the house was purchased, that that's a factor in whether or not he'll be able to get I, any I, remedy? I don't, I don't think one year would be a factor. I think if it, in most places, if you get to where you're a couple of years out, you might start running into... Uh, a statute of limitation mm-hmm. type of a situation. But if they can make the claim that, look, we realistically could not have discovered this until in the last, you know, several months because of the fact that we bought it in the winter and we didn't know about it until it thawed out, um, I think that uh, clearly there would be a window of time here that a reasonable person could claim that, uh, you know, they were uh, becoming aware of this and really the full extent of it. And one year would not be that. Uh, I, I wouldn't think it would be too long to try to pursue this legally. Yeah, I would think they'd have at least three years in that circumstance. We will see. I am, I'm sure he's still listening uh, because thank you. Because he was uh, listening earlier. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate your All call right, tonight. You. Thanks for the expertise. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. So it's one of those buyer beware. You know, if you're going to hire your buddy to do an inspection, uh, that could put you at risk, whereas if you hire somebody who is insured, you want to check on that, I guess, before you hire an inspector. I guess it just shows the ponderous uh, you know, difficulty of dealing with the, the legal system out there because I've been in real estate for years and – I've never heard about this insurance. Now, not as a real estate agent. I'm no trained professional or anything, but I've bought mm-hmm. quite a few properties and certainly hung out with people that have done the same. Never heard about this insurance that, uh, that, that the inspectors had and have never heard of anyone going after an inspector and have heard all kinds of uh, horror stories. All right, 855-450-FREE, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Timothy Couric was taught the lesson of God's wrath, and he believed that homosexuality was a sin. And then... He went gay for a year. We'll tell you what happened here in a moment. 855-450-FREEZE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control as well. It's Free Talk Live. 
got vampires, zombies ruining the neighborhood. From weapons expert Larry Correa, a new installment in the New York Times best-selling Monster Hunter series, Monster Hunter Legion. Publishers Weekly says this light-hearted testosterone soap sequel to 2009's Monster Hunter International will delight fans of action horror with elaborate weaponry, hand-to-hand combat, disgusting monsters, and an endless stream of blood and body parts. Monster Hunter Legion on sale now wherever books are sold. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Live Saturday edition, 855-450-FREE. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. And you can join us online, of course, at freetalklive.com, inviting you to grab some archives. We've got a bunch of them, and they go all the way back to late 2006. Uh, You can grab as many as you want, enjoy them all completely free, once again, over at freetalklive.com. They're right there at the top of the page. We've got the last seven days' worth of the show. And then if you click into the SoundCloud page, you'll be able to go back for a year's worth. SoundCloud link is on the left-hand side of freetalklive.com under Listen and Share. So just click that and grab as many archives as you would like. Or you can just go directly to it by going to soundcloud.freetalklive.com. Archives free. So is the rest of the website, freetalklive.com. I think a lot of people are interested in sort of the idea of uh, survivalism. It's uh, the preppers. It, this is a, an idea that's really uh, you know, pervasive at this time. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there talking a lot of different things. There's television shows. And I think that some of the advice they give tends to be single minded and that uh, there's not a lot of context or reason behind the way that they go about doing uh, people go about doing prepping and that kind of thing. There's one guide that will solve, you know, address all your prepping needs. It's, survi- it's strategicsurvival.com. Again, it's strategicsurvival.com. It covers budget and schedule-friendly solutions ranging from equipment and improvisation ideas that you can car- that, uh, carry with you more permanent um, and how you can carry a more permanent infrastructure with you and these kind of things, recommendations for training and practice so that you can be more confident and have experience in these areas. And it's, it's a great guide and it's, it's wholly complete and talks about lots of different possibilities. Strategicsurvival.com. So there's a really interesting story that ABC News, Good Morning America reported on. I think it's been a couple of weeks at this point, but this is you know one of those stories that is evergreen. It'll be interesting for a long time. Uh, it's about a man who— And Free Talk Live isn't necessarily your uh, news and current events show. We new. talk about things that are going on, but they don't—it's ha- not today. No. Oh, Mitt Romney and Barack Obama cruised into some state and told a bunch of people a bunch of lies. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to do How do you feel? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So, so what happened is there was a man who, his name's Timothy Couric. He's from Nashville and he attends a Christian church there. He was taught the lesson, according to the report here at ABC News, of God's wrath and the biblical, biblical story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he believed that homosexuality was a sin because after all, that's what a lot of these churches teach you. And they certainly don't actually have any real gay people around for you to get to know. Uh, for you to, you know, find out that it might not otherwise be, you know, what they're saying might not actually be the truth. I was so, taught at my church to love the uh, love the sinner, but not the sin. That yeah, was what the, is it? They say love the sinner, hate the sin. Do they yeah, actually say like hate? That. Yeah, I think that's the terminology. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if Jesus would have hated anybody, but nonetheless. But Jesus would have hung out with prostitutes. 
Yeah. That's what he would have done. So Kurek said, you learn to be very afraid of God. According to the preachings of his church, he said the loving thing to do is to tell my friend who's gay, hey, listen, you're an abomination and you need to repent to go to heaven. I absolutely believe that lock, stock and barrel. So devout was Kurek as a teen that friends' parents would often call him to set their kids straight if they misbehaved or broke what they believed to be God's law. He said, I would be the one on the phone until four in the morning asking them to repent for their sins. But about four years ago, when a lesbian that he knew from karaoke night confided to him that her parents had disowned her when she came out, Kurek felt that he failed her. He said, I feel God really kicked me in the gut. She was crying in my arms, and instead of being there for her, I was thinking about all the arguments to convert her. Kurek's reaction ate away at him, and he wondered what it felt like to be gay and so alone. So even though Kurek identifies as straight, he embarked on what one religious writer called spiritual espionage. He would live like a gay man for a year. What does that mean? Well, I mean, you know, like my mind immediately draws up some questions. I think that he's not actually having sex, but he's living within the, you know, the gay community is what happened Pretending to be gay. Yeah. So he says, it finally clicked. I needed to empathize and understand. Yeah, that's a good idea. Empathy. Very useful. Now 26 and no longer homophobic, Kurek writes about his journey, one that included hanging out in gay bars and facing the disappointment of his family and the rejection of his friends in his memoir, The Cross in the Closet. Well, I think you're being, um, you know, really kind of uh, a jerk about this what did i say oh yeah you should be empathetic that's a fine idea yeah i think empathy is a good thing don't you uh, yeah i do think it's a good idea being a jerk uh, because you're because of the tone of voice you're using the fact is is that um this guy took a real step people don't do this gay people straight people black people white people people human beings two eyes a nose and a mouth they don't do this stuff no they don't step off into other people's worlds and see what it's like for them i mean there's not a lot of gay people at gay bars going off to churches to find out what the Christians are thinking either. Mm-hmm. And I think that this was a bold step that this individual took and in order to find out what another lifestyle is like and to really uh, touch the humanity of other people. Yeah, I think it's incredible. That's why I think it's really a noteworthy story. And empathy is a good thing, so I don't see why that's being a jerk, but yeah, I get what you're, you're saying. You're not being very empathetic to the people that uh, you know are listening. You know, the uh, the people who are homophobic, it's hard to have empathy for them. It's hard. Try. It's hard. Yeah. This guy, use this guy as an example. Yeah. I can I can understand being uh, closed minded. I'm sure I have been closed minded at some point. I think you are today. I think we are all closed minded, my friend. Uh, a closed minded is simply <laughs> is simply a normal state. Yeah. Mm. I think some people are a little bit more accepting of others. I think that I think that it takes uh, a self-examination, the ability to self-examine. I don't think you're showing that at this time, but the uh, the the desire to self-examine uh, is is the only thing one can do. I don't think you can actually not be closed-minded. I think what you have to be is ha- take a, have a willingness to look at and listen to what other people say. Isn't okay, right? So that would be. I think that most people would define being open-minded as being willing people, to look at what other people have to say. I don't think so. I think what people divine, define as open-minded when they're trying to convince you of something is the willingness to listen to and accept what they say. And that's not really what – like open-mindedness doesn't describe what's going on necessarily. You simply have to listen to people and uh, you know, interact with them and, and, and in an honest basis. Some people are right and some people are wrong, and that's the reality of the situation.
He said he hopes to change minds with his book, not just in the Christian community, but in the LGBT one as well, and to bridge the divide in the debate over gay rights. Some experts say his attitude reflects those of other young Christians. Dr. Jack Drescher, a New York City psychiatrist who's an expertise in LGBT issues, says the younger generation is less anti-gay than some of their elders. I'd say that that's absolutely true. He's, you know, I grew up in a world, I'm 41, I grew up in a world where Three's Company, there was a guy who was living openly gay but was actually straight but i mean you know gay people have been on tv i've had relationships with gay people through television and of course i know gay people in real life but you know when i was growing up the formative years i i had the ability to see these people they were comedians and and things and they were interesting the question of love the sinner and hate the sin is an idea they're being forced to question, he said. Some of the sound bites on homosexuality are not working so well for the younger generation. Condemnation has a human cost. Now, Kurek, the guy who uh, ch- you know, changed his life, uh, had been homeschooled by parents who never taught him to shun or hate gay people and who admitted they had wrestled with the church's teaching on homosexuality. He said he had always wanted to write a book but never finished his studies at Christian Liberty College. Uh, and Kurek had kept the Daily Journal for months, and it was beginning to read like a book. By 2009, the idea to go undercover as a way of documenting and learning about homophobia was born. For six months, he plotted and planned. He said, I had to make sure the timing was right. But one day, sitting in a cafe in part of Nashville where the gay bars and Christian hangouts intersect, Kurek had his first confrontation. While reading a gay-themed book, he became aware of the snickers and sneers. He said, a guy came up to me when he saw the cover and said, you know that's fundamentally false. You can't be gay and Christian, said Kurek, who responded, I am gay, and I love God. The project to become gay had begun for real. Only three people knew the truth, and he needed them to carry out his audacious project. His closest friend, his aunt, and Sean, a gay friend whom Kurek also met at karaoke night. Hmm. So we'll give you more about his story here in a moment. I'd have a very difficult time living this way. I mean, just too many people know me um, and would know that I was straight. I mean, it, I'm very. I, I bet it was difficult. Well, I mean, they think you're straight, but you would have been. You would be coming out of the closet and saying something like, "Oh, I'm gay." I got you. Yeah, I have a wife, but I'm gay. I mean, plenty of gay people have had wives, or gay men have had wives, uh, all for appearances' sake. Eight five five four fifty free. This is Free Talk Live. More of the story coming up. A technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. Free Talk Live. It's the live Saturday edition of the program. We're talking about a guy who was straight, who is straight, who came out as gay, but he wasn't actually gay. He was doing an experiment because he was raised uh, in a very you know religious household, a Christian church, where they told him that homosexuality was a sin and that these people are doing bad things and. He realized at one point that uh, after a a lesbian, somebody that he knew who was a lesbian from karaoke night confided to him that her parents had disowned her when she came out. He felt like he had failed her. Uh, He said that instead of being there for her while she was crying in his arms, all he was doing was thinking about the arguments that he learned at church as to what he could use to convert her into going straight. 
as though that you can actually do that. Because we've talked to uh, plenty of gay people on this uh, show. We've had uh, Dale in from FlamingFreedom.com. He's a gay man who's hosted the show with us uh, a number of times in the past. And uh, you know, most people you talk to that are gay, they're going to tell you they were born like that. That they didn't just pick being gay at some point in their uh, life. Oh, I'm going to try gay now. No, they were born that way. And so he decided, this guy in the story here from ABC News, he decided that he was going to go gay for the purpose of fooling everyone in his life into thinking he was coming out so he could experience that same rejection, that same, you know, people that you cared about or you thought cared about you shutting you off, shutting you down. That's what this is all about. And I'm sorry, Mark, if I if I hadn't if I hadn't made that clear or the article hadn't made that clear. Up you know, this what point. I experienced in listening to the article, I haven't read this article up to this point. I had read the title at one point and um, you know, hadn't read it. Um, this is not my job to read it. You're reading the article. I'm just uh, listening. What I had gotten from it somehow was is that this guy was going to gay bars and pretending to be a gay guy there. But somehow or another, just kind of it was his hobby to pretend to be gay rather than a guy who was going to come out and pretend to be gay to everybody in Everyone his that knows life. Him. Everyone except three people, his closest friend, his aunt and Sean, a gay friend who he also knows from karaoke night. Okay. So he goes on to say that uh, my aunt is my mom's best friend and is more liberal in her faith. She was also able to listen to what my family was saying behind my back. So if my mom went off the deep end, I needed to know. After a week, he realized he'd also need help warding off the advances of gay men. Kind-hearted Sean, whom Kurek described as a big black burly teddy bear, became his pretend boyfriend. This is interesting. I needed protection to keep me balanced and teach me the nuances of gay culture and how they flirt and to give me an excuse when guys hit on me. You know, oh, I've already got a boyfriend. That kind of thing. For credibility, Kurek learned to hold hands and to embrace. But most of all, Sean was the first gay person. You know, I think this is very interesting. The idea of men holding hands. Now, this is done in many countries around the world. Men hold hands, and it's just fine. But here in the United States, two men that weren't related, um, and even I would think fathers. When you say around the world, is it straight men that are holding hands? Absolutely. That's, that is different. It is different, isn't it? <laughs> um, whereas, you know, I hold my son, Jack. He's four years old, and I don't feel any kind of thoughts about it at yeah. all. And it's just, to me, a delightful thing. At some point, and he's think, not going to want that anymore. I wonder, uh, you know, I mean, certainly social pressures are going to exist yeah. in that area. And I think it would be very strange for me to have been... 17 years old, walking around holding my dad's hand. I think that would have been very odd um, in this society. And what, you know, how these things happen and what, what, you know, what happens and why I can't hold friends, hold hands with a male friend, have no interest in holding hands with a male friend. It's just kind of interesting. Absolutely. It's a fascinating story. And most of all, he says, Sean was the first gay person I let into my heart. He was totally there for me through emotional turmoil. I trusted him. He knew I was straight, and he didn't take it too far, and he taught me not to be afraid. Eventually, the initial revulsion disappeared, according to Kurek. Early on, if a guy pinched my butt, I would have punched someone in the face. The hardest part, because, he gee, said. That, that's, you know, and this goes to show what uh, people are taught in the church. I grew up in the church, and it's, you, you, wouldn't, you, you wouldn't treat any other sinner that way. By punching them in the face? Right, that's not a Jesus kind yeah. of thing to do. <laughs> who would Jesus jack? <laughs> uh, the hardest part, he said, was facing his parents who were divorced. And I imagine that, that was the hardest part. He said there was always an elephant in the room. I'd s- it, it, to some extent, this is cruel. To do this? Why? Why? Because this is cruel to do your parents. I mean, I'm just saying. I, it's their fault for being so bigoted. I got you, man. They're the ones who are cruel in their hearts. 
I got gotcha. you. But it's a big, even for the, the most liberal of parents, to just lie about who you are fundamentally to them mm-hmm. is pretty cruel. Now, I think that one can, you know, when one comes out with a book later, I guess that there's you know some kind of you know opportunity for give forgiveness there, but I still think it's kind of cruel to uh, lie to somebody fundamentally about who you are. The book is called, by the way, "The Cross in the Closet." So he says there was always an elephant in the room. I had snooped in my mother's journal one day after I'd come out, and she'd written, "quote I'd rather have found out from a doctor that I had terminal cancer than have a gay son." I imagine it was tough for her. With this, uh, with his friends, the thing that struck me most was the isolation. He said before I came out, because of course, you know, he's a very devout Christian. This guy, the, in the beginning part of the story, talks about how much of a straight edge kind of dude this guy was. So odds are good, most of his friends are in the church as well. He says before I came out as gay, I had a very busy social life. After I came out, I didn't hear from ninety-five percent of my friends. Wow. In his book, Correct stays away from now, this theology. Is, this is an indictment upon uh, you know, the church in the area of the claim that you should love the sinner and mm-hmm. hate the sin. Because if you love people, this, yeah. these people are not loving the sinner. No. They're not. You know, they're not embracing him. This is a person who, uh, you know, maybe, shunning is not loving. Right. If, if he had an alcohol problem, if he had a gambling problem, if he had any other kind of uh, ongoing sin in his life. They likely wouldn't have treated them the same way, and you know this is it shows the uh, it shows the bias in inside of uh, those uh, people of people of faith in this country in a lot of ways. In his book, correct stays away from theology. He says, "I want this seen as a people issue. When we're shunning people, we're shunning Fred and John and Liz and Mary. These are human people, and I think that that's part of bigotry is to dehumanize." Uh, the things or the people with whom or the groups of people, the perception of the groups of people that you find some sort of disagreement with. Uh, they're, oh, they're black or they're gay or they're Japanese or, you know, they've got brown well, those, hair. A lot or, of cases, those are the old ones. Those are the old bigotries. But there are, I think that it's, it's, it's well worth stating that there are current bigotries. Sure. Muslim. Would that be one? Right. A lot of people say that, you know, just to believe the Muslim religion is bad. The Muslim religion contains within it all kinds of, you know, demands that you be violent and this kind of thing. Of course, none it's of these nonsense. people have ever read the Quran. No, they're just They've read books to... about the Quran. Maybe, that, maybe they've read books about the Quran or maybe they just heard something from the preacher at church. Who read a book or about listened Quran, to the or, author yeah. of a, a bigoted book on the Quran, Or heard, you know, some right-wing talk show host uh, talking about something they think they believe is true about it. There's all kinds of misinformation out there, right. and I think that's the way, where a lot of bigotry Sharia, comes from. Here's, here's, a little, here's a little note for everybody who uh, might think that they know something about Muslims. Sharia law has nothing to do with being a Muslim. Well, what does it have to do with? It's a cultural thing from the Middle East. Sharia law is not Muslim. Kurek, uh says that in the end it was about it was I mean, a book about— What does the English common law system have to do with uh, the Democratic Republic the United States is founded upon? Nothing, really. He says, in the end, it was a book about prejudice, not a book about being gay. His response to his experience has been positive, according to Correct. His mother, even, is now supportive of LGBT rights. Reverend Connie Waters, a Protestant minister and LGBT ally from Memphis who met Correct online when he was questioning his church's view of homosexuality, said she was proud of him. She never encourages her parishioners to lie, but in the case of Correct's undercover project, she says it served a greater purpose. For him to appreciate what others went through was essential for him to have an experience or to experience a small part of what those who are LGBT have had to live through to be safe for many years. 
The transformation in him was life-changing, she said. It's what you hope for, the goal of the Christian walk of faith. It's enough for me that he transformed, but if others learn from him, what an extra blessing that is. Yeah, I think it really is. Uh, I I find it difficult, the whole lying thing in this in this area, but... I I'm, I'm think I'm willing to go ahead and say that there's a greater good to this particular lie, that, uh, you know, this is acting and that it's to show people, you know, what what happens, what it's like. Have you ever had a transformation like this? What is your experience with, you know, how you were perhaps raised by parents or by, you know, a church, the people around you inculcating you with negative ideas about other different sorts of uh, groups of people out there. Surely this has happened to everyone. Everyone's been, it's somehow or another, put put aside the old ideas that existed within their family and embraced new ones. But what happened to you? What was your path? How, how did that, how did you go from, like this guy, you know, he went from being somebody who hated homosexuality to somebody who was able to embrace uh, his friends, uh, you know, or embrace new friends who were homosexual, who, you know, was able to change his perspective completely. And, you know, what was it that led you down a similar road? And it doesn't have to be about necessarily you, you know, change your mind about gay people, but it could be anything, uh, any kind of bigotry that you might have had in the past. If you'd like to tell your story, we'd love to hear it. 855-450-FREE or comment on this one. 1-855-450-3733. And, of course, you can take control of the airwaves as well and bring up whatever might happen to be on your mind. Hour number two is on the way. Plenty of time for you and your thoughts here on the live Saturday edition of Free Talk Live. 855-450-3733. More coming up. Hi, I'm Derek J. To me, an activist's calling is to actively work to advance a cause. The cause for which I work is personal freedom. I believe my life is best when I engage in voluntary interactions and self-government. I reject the idea that anyone else has a higher claim to my life or my body than I do. I see people who call themselves the government as a threat to my personal freedom. I realize you may feel differently, but my relationship with the people who call themselves the government is completely involuntary. If Starbucks used some of its money to drop bombs, I wouldn't shop there. So why would I support the American empire? The Empire does not require my consent. Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree, available now free in HD. See it now at VictimlessCrimeSpree.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching... Into the second hour of the live Saturday edition of the program. The toll-free number for you. You can bring up anything you want. 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Mark. In the last hour, for those of you just tuning in, we told an interesting story. Really unique story of a guy who was raised a very, let's say, bigoted Christian who's taught that homosexuality was a sin and the things that he and others did uh, to people who were gay was not loving. You know, they were not loving the so-called sinner, supposedly. And he ended up uh, having a turning point in his life where he decided that he wanted to experience what it was like to be gay, meaning to come out uh, of the closet as a gay man, even though he's not. He was actually straight the whole time that he was acting as though he was gay. He just wanted to know what it was like 
to be in those shoes, to be ostracized, to be shunned, to be insulted, to have friends who he thought were friends completely ignore him. He says 95% of the people that he thought were his friends stopped talking to him. His own mother uh, was, you know, I don't think she completely disowned him, but she was less than happy. Well, she said that she would have rather been diagnosed with terminal cancer. Yes, she um, wrote this in her, in her journal, which she snooped in <laughs> to find out what she was thinking. So, To some extent, this seems kind of, uh, you know, callous towards other people's emotions uh, to uh, suggest just to do this. But, you know. They deserve it. I, I don't think they deserve anything. And I don't think you're ever going to see changes in people if you act like you're um, you know, you're better than they are. Um, and this is what you're doing in this circumstance. I think that, you know, Who's you, acting you like deserve a little bit of your own medicine in this way. Um, Who is acting? You're saying like they better. deserve it. Well, th- nobody deserves anything, man. Well, I don't feel sorry. How about this? I don't feel sorry for somebody who's a hate monger getting lied to about something like this. I think that Every all throughout human history, we've been learning ways to live with a different people. That people are different, and it's happening much more. Communication is, uh, you know, it, it's communications leapt forward with cell phones and uh, the internet and mm-hmm. these kind of things in the last few decades. People are catching up, and that that's just the way things are. And if you keep on pointing f- fingers and calling people bigots, you're not going to get anywhere. The, the the person standing there pointing fingers and calling people bigots is doesn't convince anyone of anything. Yeah, I see what you're saying there, Mark. But uh, if somebody is an unapologetic bigot, then I don't feel sorry for them if they've been lied to by their son who came out and uh, is acting gay for the purposes of experimenting and finding out what people's reactions are to that. I think that's what you have to call is an experiment. Yeah, color me unconcerned about uh, their feelings in the matter. So uh, 855-450-FREE, by the way, is the toll-free number here tonight. We had a caller to this show for a number of years. We haven't heard from him in quite a while. His name, we we dubbed him Scott the Bigot. And that's because he was an unapologetic bigot. He hates people, hates people who are not just like him. If you are not a white Christian, whatever denomination of Christian he was, male, he hated you. Yeah, he really didn't like women much either. Right. And he would get on the air and talk about his bigoted nonsense here, and we would talk to him every single time he would call into the show. And that's frustrating, and, isn't it? What was talking to him? Yeah, f- f- hearing people that have different ideas that uh, don't ideas that just don't make sense in your head. Well, I mean, it, it totally made sense from from where Scott was coming from. He had learned certain things when he was growing up. He t- kept kept those nonsensical lessons about other people's race and uh, gender in his mind the whole time because he never actually left the house. I mean, very rarely would this guy leave his mom's house where he was still living, apparently, at age however old he was. He was definitely a, an adult. I don't um, know if he moved back in or anything like that. We don't have any really any Well, he, he made it pretty Sandra clear. His certainly picked up the phone one We time. had enough time to talk to him over the years, Mark, to discover that this guy did not leave. He did not go out and mix with anyone not else. Much. And that's what I was suggesting to him. Hey, look, Scott, maybe you wouldn't think the way you think about other people if you knew some of them. Maybe you wouldn't be afraid of gay people or black people or Jewish people or women if you would actually go out into the world and experience these people and find out the thing you can't ignore when you meet enough people is that they're all humans and that everybody's the same Very fundamentally. Similar. And that's what this guy discovered. That's why this story is so neat because 
this guy did, as you were pointing out last hour, he did what most people aren't willing to do, is to put himself into a situation that he didn't think he would ever have wanted to be in, in order so he could put himself in their shoes and experience life from their perspective, at least as much as he possibly could. Because again, he wasn't actually gay, but he came out as gay for the purposes of finding out what life would be like. And I think if more people did that, it would have that kind of profound effect. But because they've been lied to so thoroughly, I don't by think people, that most people can uh, <laughs> have the time for this kind of uh, charade. But I think that the story itself and the book um, are probably th- good things for people to understand. I mean, this guy yeah. came from the standpoint of a conservative Christian type, and he went on a you know a soul searching journey. And I think that that in and of itself is worthy of looking into. It reminds me of the uh, movie American History X. You familiar with that one? Yeah, I think so. It's a great prison. movie movie and uh in that movie the title character or the main character edward norton uh encounters uh you know he goes to prison he's a racist he's been or is that edward yeah i think it's edward norton uh he he goes into prison for some terrible race killing or beating or something like that and he ends up being on laundry duty with a black guy and ends up you know He's forced to be in this kind of situation with somebody that he's been taught to hate and ends up becoming fast friends with the guy because he actually had the experience of being with that person, with that other person that he'd been so taught to be afraid of over his lifetime. And it didn't take long for that to melt away. It didn't take long for his opinion to change. But it takes that experience. And that's the question I was asking about before is, you know, what was your experience with something like this, with some kind of a significant change in attitude towards uh, towards other people? 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can comment on that or, you know, generally comment about the story. You know, is it wrong for him to have lied? Or comment on anything. It's free talk yeah, live. Uh, you, know, it was, you could also, you know, comment in the aspect of was it wrong for him to have done this? You know, should he not have uh, engaged in this charade where – his family members were upset with him. His friends were upset with him. Was there something wrong about that? I say no. I think it was a fascinating experiment and uh, worth it. But you can also bring up whatever you want. Benjamin's on the line listening in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, uh, I hate to derail uh, your interesting conversation about what I find to be a very interesting story. But I'd like to share uh, something I found that's very effective in breaking the ice with people and sharing the ideas of liberty. Okay, sure. Um, one of your advertisers, Stateless Sweets, uh, some of the best uh, candy I've ever had. Um, it's sweet, statelesssweets.com. Yeah. I've, I found uh, that if I take some of that candy and I just go to people who I, I'd like to have conversations with, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of weird, like, uh, just all of a sudden bringing up politics or something <laughs> with uh, family members or, or friends. Mm-hmm. But I found that if you go up to people and go... Uh, Hey, would you like some candy? Of course, they say, uh, sure. And then you go, well, you know, I, I should warn you, this is illegal candy. Are you sure you <laughs> and then and they'll say, they what? Get, <laughs> what is illegal candy? Look on your, yeah, they're like, is it laced with something? Like, what's going on? <laughs> and I go, and then I explain to them, no, it's you know not licensed. Uh, the 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 company uh, works outside of the bounds of the law. I wouldn't call it black market because it's not underground. I'm very open about it. Yeah, more like and gray they, market, I guess. Yeah, and so then I give them, and then they go, well, okay, sure. And then they have the candy, and they're like, oh, well, this is so delicious. And I go, yes, and do you feel at any point your life was in danger not having had candy that was you know, sanctioned by the government? 
You know what I find interesting about uh, you know this this sort of situation you're talking about here is is every every restaurant out there is always talking about the home cooked meal. I mean that's what people want when they go to a restaurant, or at least what their you know restaurants are advertising in a lot of cases is the home cooked meat meal. At least up to the family level restaurants, maybe the the high end ones are going beyond that. But the the home cooked meal is a completely unlicensed thing. Uh, it's dangerous. You know? I mean, I don't know that it's necessarily that dangerous. I mean, I, I've had lots of home-cooked meals. And you are don't think far I've ever more likely sick. to get food poisoning from a home-cooked meal than one coming from a restaurant. That may be true. I don't know. I'd have to see. Stand by, uh, Benjamin. You hadn't quite finished your story, so we'll bring you back here in a moment. 855-453 is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and you can take control. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Ending bigotry or whatever. Free Talk Live. Hi, my name's Tim Cummins. I'm your verbal surgeon, and my job, to help you feel good right now. And every time you listen to my podcast at verbalsurgery.com, you will feel good because you're an awesome person of amazing abilities, incredible skills, and that makes me feel good, too. So get with the program, verbalsurgery.com, and feel good now. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. And the toll-free number here for the live Saturday edition is 855-450-FREE. That's 1-855-450-3733. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free. They include our mobile site. You get quick access to our live streams and the podcast. All of it is free at m.freetalklive.com. Plus, the software you'll need to tune into those live streams if you don't already have such a thing on your phone. Go to m, as in mobile, .freetalklive.com. If you're looking for camping, hunting, survival or shooting gear manventureoutpost.com is the place to go it's a hunting season right now many places in the united states and what you want to get when you're an outdoor enthusiast is you want to get the name brands because that way they're trusted and you want to get them at the best prices because well everybody wants the best prices on everything manventureoutpost.com is the place to go do that everything i've ever gone and seen there was lower priced than anything i've seen any place else but that's just anecdotal a few of my friends have done the same anecdotal but they claim that they have some of the lowest prices on the internet and it's worth going and checking there for whatever outdoors items you need before you buy any place else because i think you'll find as i found that they have the lowest prices not just as on the aggregate but on just about everything i've ever i mean everything i've ever seen probably just about everything you're ever going to see i hate to make sort of finite uh, you know statements but manventureoutpost.com shows over and over again they have the lowest prices on whether it's uh, you know ammunition or knives or scopes binoculars laser sights tactical flashlights fish finders boating equipment whatever the outdoor enthusiast needs and you can get an additional 5% discount on every purchase with the coupon code FTL. That's coupon code FTL as in Free Talk Live at manventureoutpost.com. Let's go back to Benjamin. He's listening in Northern California. Benjamin, you're back on Free Talk Live. You were telling us about an approach that you've been using with uh, friends, family members, maybe coworkers about how to introduce them to the ideas of liberty. You share with them some candy made by statelesssweets.com, which is made without any sort of governmental permission slips in any kind of governmentally inspected kitchen or anything like that. It's just a lady in her kitchen making delicious candy for folks and selling it. Uh, and you tell them it's illegal candy, and they say, what? Go ahead with your story. 
Well, yeah, they're just, they, you know, at first they're confused, like, well, how is candy illegal? What are you talking about? And then I explain to them how it's, you know, done without permission from the government. And that uh, leads into a discussion uh, about government granting permission for people to do things like this or anything. And it's hard for them to be angry while they're chewing on stateless sweets caramel. <laughs> yeah, one, very, one does have to wonder, how. what was that first situation where the government was able to say, now you may do business? Because doing business is really a fundamental human right. We're all negotiating all the time for the things that we want and the things that we need in this life. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's... It, it just it's interesting how the government gets involved and, and says, we're the arbiter. We're the ones that are always fair, when everybody knows they're not fair at all. Oh, well, right. And, uh, you know, it's hard to, to uh, part with some of my stateless tweets when I get them. But uh, I get such a positive reaction from people. You know, no one leaves the conversation uh, butthurt or angry because it's very cordial and friendly because you're offering them a gift, essentially, to begin with, right? And it just mm-hmm. naturally leads into the conversation. It's not, I'm not forcing it on, I'll hand you this candy, but we have to have a conversation. Right. You know? That's an interesting approach, and I appreciate your call tonight, Benjamin. Thanks for making it. 855-450-FREE. You can bring up whatever you want. Benjamin was telling us about uh, you know, an approach that he uses to open people's uh, minds to listening to the ideas of freedom. And there are a variety of different ways to go about Americans doing this. have slipped a long way from the ideas of freedom. No doubt about it. Let's go to uh, Jerome. We've also been talking about bigotry uh, throughout most of the show tonight. Jerome, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, how you guys doing tonight? Hey, welcome, sir. Um, I'm a, I'm a newbie, so to speak. I'm a first-time caller. Oh, very good, sir. <laughs> What's on your mind? Uh, yeah, you, um, one of you guys had a great point. Um, when you were talking about the, the caller, that there was a bigot. You, you talked to him over the years, and you realized that he was a hermit, basically. He sat in the house all the time, and then he never he, he didn't broaden his perceptions of what is actually out there. So that uh I guess that frozen image in the city was 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 what he walked around with. That was his map of the world. Right. And he was frightened to death of uh interacting with uh, anyone who was different from him because he'd been told things about them about how terrible they are. And so, you know, even if we would suggest that he go out and meet some people, he never would do it because it would too it'd be too threatening to his worldview. Right, uh confusing the map and the territory. And um I had to comment on, uh, I had some experiences like that. Well, like the last caller, he he made a good point, too, about how he introduces conversation. Um, I was at a, uh, a uh, we have a 9-11 memorial in Maryland, and, you know, occasionally I'll walk by it, and I see the um, the steel girders, supposedly from one of the buildings, just bent all up and everything. So I will walk by the, um, the memorial, and I know it's an extremely sensitive topic, so uh, I, I try to fill out the person. Oops, phone's dying. I try to fill out the person, and I would say something like, um, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I would say something slightly controversial, like, that's amazing, uh, 200,000 pounds of ton- 200,000 tons of um of concrete and just uh, pulverized. And uh, one time I had a paper with me, 
it was about the um, the science behind um, you know building demolitions, and I gave it to a, a lady and her husband, and automatically the guy he said, "Don't come here with that B, you know, mm-hmm. BS." And he, I thought he was about to slap me almost, and and it just kind of took me back for a second, like, "Wow, it, 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 did I frighten him or something?" I would say that you did. I mean, it's I this is not an issue that I am concerned with at all. This 9/11 truth is is what you're getting at, right? The idea that, you know, you believe you know what the truth is behind 9/11 and you're there to try to, you know, share that uh with folks. And uh it's it's hard for me to really relate to it because I just don't feel like it's it matters at all today what uh, the true story was behind 9/11. Um it's I mean, it's been a decade, man. Yeah, you still going out and doing that? No, no, no. I didn't want to. I didn't, sorry about that. No, my my point was, it, it was like he was frightened. His perception was, he he only knows he only knows one one set of beliefs, and it, it's like just the mere uh, introduction of what I had to show him. It, it was like. Argh. Yeah, yeah, probably you know, the wrong time and place He's emotionally for that. attached, certainly. I mean, if he's at the memorial, chances are good he's in some way emotionally attached to the, the incident. And, you know, I mean, his story is, he believes his story, whatever that's the, the mainstream media story is or whatever. And I don't know. I'm not going to claim to know what happened on 9-11. Um, I'm reasonably certain that guy doesn't know, and I'm reasonably certain you don't know either. And the, so... You know, when it comes down to these things, people get emotionally attached to their ideas and they can't listen to someone else. It's not unusual for people who don't get what someone else is saying to react in a sort of angry way. Anger, anger is spurned by fear. And, you know, the possibility that you're right and he's wrong is, is a problem for him. Jerome, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you uh, at 855-450-FREE. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of these airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. There's more coming up in moments. 1-855-450-3733. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the realtor Mark Warden. Do you want a home with 20 acres, a lakeside cabin, any takers for renters, buyers, and sellers too? Mark Warden is the guy for you. PorcupineRealEstate.com This is Free Talk Live, live Saturday edition. You take control here at 855-450-FREE. That toll-free number brought to you by SACL CAI. SACL CAI is a company that handles accounts receivable. If you've got a company and handling accounts receivable has become an arduous and vexing task for you, the professionals over at SACL CAI can handle that for you. They've been uh, sponsors of Free Talk Live for a very long time, the principals over there. Jason Osborne and his father, Mike, are big supporters of Liberty and big supporters of Free Talk Live. You can go uh, see their banner at freetalklive.com. It's top on the right-hand side of the page. I've uh, been to their operations, and I'm confident that they'll handle your business as efficiently as possible. It's SACL CAI. So we're going to continue here with your calls. Uh, we got a strange, strange call from in that last segment from someone who was a 9-11 truther. Uh, and I, I didn't, didn't think it was see that strange. It, I didn't see it coming. Like first, he, he kind of started talking a little bit about uh, bigotry right out the gate, and then changed into explaining uh, one of the encounters he had while at a 9/11 memorial. 
uh, where he was attempting to convert people to the whole so-called 9-11 truth message. That seems to me to be as effective an approach as bringing a drag show into a church to try to uh, you know, convert the, those people to not be bigots uh, against homosexuality. Look, if you're going to go to some kind of a event like a 9-11 memorial with the idea that you're going to convert people, you're wasting your time. You're, all you're going to do is just upset people. And if that's your intention, then go with the intention to upset people and shock them or whatever if that's what you want to do. But don't be of the belief that anything you do at an event like that is going to be, be seen as persuasive. I think that in doing ten, know your audience. In doing ten years of talk radio, where we definitely have an agenda here on Free Talk Live, and that agenda is to bring people to the ideas of uh, human freedom, rights theory, things like that. Hopefully, and entertain them. At the yeah, same time. absolutely. The what what I found is is if you want to convince people of things that you absolutely can't convince people of things. What yeah. you need to do is they need to come in their own ways. Just all you can do is present them with ideas. You have to pull, not push. Sort a- of. Absolutely, it's just you just need to you, you need to be there presenting ideas and not uh, trying to teach lessons. When you're up there showing and teaching and doing all these things, that generally fails. Um, in this instance, I don't know how it went, and I don't know how that uh, person you know reacted in that particular instance, but. It does seem like you're going to be dealing with some people on an emotional knife's edge when you're at a 9-11 memorial. Let's continue with you and your thoughts. David, listening in Maine, Portland area to WGAN. Hey, David. Hi there. Uh, Wonderful show. Thanks. Uh, I look forward to reading that book. It's uh, uh, fascinating. you're talking about the book uh, by the uh, straight, uh, the straight Christian who became gay, came out of the closet as gay, even though he wasn't actually, just so he could uh, see what it was like in that role. Cross in the closet. The book will be called Cross in the Closet. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Just fascinating. Uh, my story is different. Uh, I came out back in, in the seventies. Uh, you know, lived a gay lifestyle. I lived in New York City. Uh, you know, uh, AIDS activist, uh, you know, and always encountered the Christian, you know, with, you know, die, fag, die, AIDS is God's revenge. And, and, and so, so years later, I mean, to find myself a Christ follower is, is, you know, how did this happen? Uh, So, and, and it's interesting because since I became a Christ follower, uh, and you are still gay, yes? Friend. You know, exactly. I still struggle with the same-sex attraction. Uh, you know, I try to live an obedient life to to Jesus, and and I do believe that homosexuality is is a sinful lifestyle. But you know, it's it's different. I don't know about this fellow's church, but my church is was just there. I mean, with open arms. In fact, my pastor told me. That, that that he considered going underground the exact story just so he could reach the gay community, so he could tell them about Christ. Tell me you know, more about, you know, are you like a self-hating gay or something like that? Like you, you think that homosexuality is a sinful lifestyle. What what about being gay is, uh, is sinful? Or are you just saying, like, tell me more about that. Well, I believe that the Bible is God's holy word. And, and, and again, homosexuality is, is a sin, just like any other sin. I mean, gossiping is a sin. There's no sin that's greater or lesser. Uh, so, so, you know, 
I guess my struggle would be the same as, as any single Christ follower. Uh, and, and, you know, gay or straight, uh, I, I don't really look at it as, as a sacrifice because, uh, you don't look at what as a sacrifice as giving up, uh, you know, the gay lifestyle. I, I'm not exactly sure what a gay gay lifestyle even is. So. I, that's what I'm confused yeah. about. There are a lot of different people who are gay, and you know, not exactly. all of them are wearing exactly. you know uh, the, the most flamboyant drag costume. Many of them uh, dress very conservatively, yeah. for instance. So, uh, you know, are you give are you like an asexual now? Do you not have relationships with men? I mean, what? I, yes, I don't. I don't. I don't. So I I, I had uh, you know I had a lover. Uh, you know, partner of many years, praise God, he came to Christ, and so now we're brothers in Christ. It's amazing. I mean, it's but you don't story. get to cuddle anymore. I mean, Ian, this is stop. terrible. This is this man's decision, and he's made it through, all through his life. I, what uh, my question is here is, you said that the the Bible is the, the the word of God, and I've heard, I'm certainly no expert in this area, that the New Testament doesn't address homosexuality at all in the original Greek. Have you looked into this? Yeah, certainly I have. And again, I've only been uh, in this walk for five years. Uh, I, uh, the, the Gospels, uh, really, the only reference to it would be when Jesus is talking about marriage. Uh, and when Paul, uh, later in the epistles, uh, you know, is referring to homosexuality. Does he actually uh, refer to homosexuality in the epistles? But with a whole list of other sins, you know, I think, you know, I tell you, I came to it. When I went to my church, I said to my pastor, I'm a homosexual. I don't know if I'd be welcomed in your church, because I went to some other churches, and I wasn't welcomed. And this pastor said to me, everyone is welcomed in my church. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. It, it runs the gamut. But you know what? We're there for the love of Jesus Christ. And, and you know, I'm not saying that I was saved from anything. Um, uh, I don't know. But, you know, another thing, don't be too harsh on that fellow's mom, because, you know, what I've learned is that she, she believed that her son was going to go to hell. And so what mother wouldn't say, you know, I'd rather have cancer than see my son face that for all eternity. That's her belief. So, I, mean, I don't think there was anything hateful in it. So do you think that somebody no. who lives the gay lifestyle cannot be a Christian? I, I believe that they're uh, not being obedient, but you know what? I don't judge anyone's salvation. You know, that's up to Jesus. Would you that's consider yourself uh, like an ascetic? Are you somebody that uh, that shuns the idea of, of you know contact with uh, with other human beings because one you you know you are gay you're still attracted to men um, but you you know you won't be with them so that basically puts you as a loner for the rest of your life right? Well, I guess a loner you know if you're looking at at at, at the sexual act yes. I'm not just talking about sexuality. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, the sensuality, the the touch of another human being, in this case, another man. I mean, you, you're cutting yourself off from that, right? Well, you know, you know, in the Bible, the Bible, I mean, says nothing about, uh, 
that we could not be affectionate with one another. I mean, there was certainly same. Can you kiss another man then? David and Jonathan, Ruth and Naomi, they loved each other. Where, when does it become a sin? People. Is it a sin to think about loving another man? Is it a sin to kiss another man? Is it a sin to hold another man? Are those sins? You know, uh, if I did that, I would consider that... You don't have an answer. It's all right. Thanks for the call tonight. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Or does the sin start only when there's penetration, sexual penetration involved? When does the sin happen by their definition? It's Free Talk Live. You take control. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. You can bring up whatever you want, though. The overarching topic tonight has been bigotry and one man's story about how he changed himself significantly. Put himself in the shoes, literally, of a gay man, a straight Christian. He put pretended himself in to sh- come out. Right, he pretended to come out. For, over the course of a year. Documented it and uh, has now written a book, uh, apparently entitled Cross in the Closet, and it's an amazing story. Of course, it led me to ask questions about, you know, what your life was like. You know, did you have significant change where you went from believing one falsehood about other groups of people to having that corrected somehow? What was your story? And it's ended up going all over the place with a guy calling a, moment, a few moments ago who said he is gay, became Christian, and swore off any kind of contact with other men. Because he's still gay, but he's now like an ascetic who doesn't have any sex, or sexuality or sensuality or anything like that. And well, he just, has it. He just doesn't express it. Well, that's just it. And that's where we left that last segment with my question of, uh, you know, where does this sin actually happen? Uh, you know, is it is it when he thinks about being with another man? Is that the sin or is it the actual act of uh, of penetration is that the sin or is the sin when you start snuggling or something like that like when does the any christian's going to tell you around? the sin the sin occurs in your mind jesus was very yeah. clear uh where sin occurs that lust occur, occurs in your mind mm. um that if you look upon a woman or whatever the the terminology is that he used and you know that's that's what christians believe i think it's crazy because uh to the idea of loving another human being that that could be sinful well i think is what it, ridiculous i think that to me, what he was uh, trying to say in that circumstance is, is that there's no way for anybody to be sinless here. Let's mm-hmm. just all realize that we're sinful creatures and go about the business of loving God and loving each other. That those are the two commandments. Except he doesn't that you, do that. He doesn't love other men when he would probably like to. I, I think that Christianity is far from what it was. Uh, I mean, it's far from what it was 2,000 years ago. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Let's continue with you and your thoughts, though, and go to Philip listening in Medford, KMED. Hey, Philip in Oregon. Go ahead with your thoughts. Hey, guys. I was just talking to you, or I wanted to talk to you quickly about the uh, misuse of the word bigotry. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have computers in front of you or not, 
but define it would be somebody who essentially has come up with a uh, an idea that they are against, for instance, homosexuality, without being educated at all in the ways of homosexuality, or more so in your case, Christianity, and making gross judgments about Christianity without apparently having knowledge of it. I can tell you, Philip, I have plenty of knowledge about being a Christian as I was one for a number of years in my life. Mark, what about you? I've read the Bible through three times, uh, the New Testament through seven times. I would like to ask you I was a Sunday school teacher. Um, I, you know... I went to Christian camp. I went to Christian school. Well, I can tell from Mark that he definitely has a good understanding of it, but Ian seemed to be focusing on the fact that when does a sin occur, and that seemed to be the major driving portion of what he was saying. Well, I think he was asking that guy. Like, what what does that guy think where the sin occurs? Gotcha. Well, my thought on this... It's not so much, it's, it's like asking at what point do you die? Okay. What, ta- what point okay, do you die? So if, if you are going to die, at what point do you actually die? Hey, I think it's, um, uh, you know, it, it's the over definition the... is when the, uh, you, you don't have any blood, fresh blood breaching your brain, I believe. Okay, so the end, well, even with that, no fresh, fresh blood reaching your brain, you can still pump a person with the, uh, with the anaphylactic, or not anaphylactic shock, the E. IED, whatever the thing is that you shock people with. Keep on shocking that heart. heart. Yeah. Starts going. Mm-hmm. Clear! The blood Those things. Yeah. <laughs> Clear! Bring them back to life. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So we can't necessarily give a literal definition of when death occurs. Other than we know that when the blood stops circulating, and when you are no longer breathing or present in your body, that you're dead. So, <laughs> with that being said, the knowledge that you're dead at that point means nothing, because you're already dead. So if you're saying, at what point does sin occur, does it matter because you've already sinned? No matter what, you being a person, sin. You're not perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so if I can... So if... with the fact that somebody at some point even penetrated the butthole, go ahead, and why would that mean anything so far as they're now worse than they ever have been? Philip, I have a question here, and this is something that's always stumped me. Um, God is a, a being, a, this, this being that is uh, portrayed as being omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. Mm, um, he yep. is, you know, everywhere, knows everything, has done everything, you know, feel, feels everything. And uh-huh. if it is sinful to think about, uh, you know, a, uh, a gay threesome with a donkey, how can God be omniscient but not have sinned by thinking about it? By thinking about the very right. act. Well, God's current. all-knowing, so he must know yeah. what it's like to lust after a gay threesome with, with a donkey, right? That seems like a large stretch to be making with an all-powerful, all-knowing God. He would assume Well, you're either all-knowing or you're not, right? Exactly. So he would know that that is evil. And but he would know, sin. right? To know is to... know the feeling of it? Well, no, he'd have is to know the lust. Say that again? He'd have to know the lust, right? What the lust does. Lust is a thought, right? Well, does he? I'm asking you. I would say no, because God, being the all-knowing being that he is, knows perfection to the most umph degree. Satan being the all-terrible person that he is. Or maybe God is omniscient. Maybe God God is omniscient, and he doesn't think that there's any problem with a gay threesome with a donkey. Mm. Well, I think that would be, again, a far stretch when he says... He doesn't say anything. You haven't had have God talk to, God? to you. I swear to God, How, God has never what, talked to you. Why don't you ask him? How do you know that? Have you actually talked to God? Have I ever talked to God? No. Yeah. Well, then how do you I know what not, God but... wants? No, wait. I have talked to God. I've prayed before. Okay, okay, has, has he talked, you, back? Has he talked back to you? 
Say that again? Has he talked back to you? He has led me in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. I have felt the physical presence of God in my How life. do you yeah. know what God wants? Because it falls in line with the Bible and it's Oh, free. something written by men, so right? So some kind of confirmation no, bias. No, it is written by man, divinely inspired. And if you want to tick me up on that, I would simply say a couple things. First off, what book in the world has ever been perfect and not run as been perfectly congruent? And I don't know what that means. That it made throughout the Bible. So you're saying the Bible is not, is not perfect or is perfect? I'm saying it is perfect. That is divinely <laughs> inspired, but written by man. Well, I think that the fact that uh, God talks about being, uh, you know, loving David and David loving God, and this guy is a absolute killer, debaucherer, and uh, evil individual what shows— What does that go to show us? That our sin is what kills us to death, but it is Christ who raises us from the death that It doesn't show me that. What it shows me you. is it shows me that your poetry can be uh, preserved over the no, course of 3,000 years. Because it's not even close. It's not even comparable to poetry. It's no, it's much worse than poetry. The Psalms are poetry. reaction by people. It never does. Okay. Well, as all well, I see okay. is, is thousands of people turning the, to Christ every day. That would be a ridiculous thing to say. That is a poem. No, the the Psalms are a poem. Um, and I, the point I'm trying to make is is that David is preserved, unlike any other killer that managed to rise to power, is preserved simply because of his poetry and you know the flukes of uh, of history. Here's what I'd like to know, Philip. Uh, you say yes, that sir. it's perfect because it's the word of God, inspired, uh, written by men, but inspired directly by God. Like basically that yep. he was you know controlling these men he when they wrote it. Them. Right. Okay. So um, how is that? any different than what the Muslims say about the Quran? Well, because the Quran does have inconsistencies, it does not follow the Bible, and it does not follow the Are you the going to say history. the Bible has Hold no on. inconsistencies? It, I believe the Bible that. has no inconsistencies, that there are perceived inconsistencies and you've read the Bible. people who have not delved into you've, it. You've read the Bible? I have, sir. Okay. Thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you. I think uh, that that's pretty ridiculous because there's plenty of inconsistency and contradiction in the Bible. Well, I think that the inconsistencies are as you see them, and that's the difficulty there. I mean, you know, you can look through. Well, right, all you have you to do is search it's... inconsistencies in the Bible on the right. Internet, and you'll come up with hundreds of them. Yeah. But it's what you I mean, believe. how about the differences between the gods? The, I mean, the, the two gods, like you got the Old Testament God and the New Testament God. They're completely different in a lot of, uh, a lot of ways. What about those inconsistencies? Let's talk about the most glaring inconsistencies. You know, you've got this Old Testament God of punishment and uh, fire and brimstone, and then the New Testament, you know, Jesus, forgiveness, love thy enemy, and, uh, you know, all that. Well, I think that also um, when you compare Osiris to Jesus and look at all the consistencies between the two um, uh, two, two characters and— you manage to uh, you know take a look at that from from an objective standpoint, and you'll see that well, there's a lot of comparisons between Osiris and Jesus, and that this Jesus story had to be sort of manipulated in order to uh, you know make it believable. And you know, there's this thing about Jesus running off to um, uh, you know to Egypt uh, early on in his childhood, and it's really not mentioned elsewhere. Um, that kind of thing. And um, when you look at Osiris and and you do the comparisons, and, it's an Egyptian god, right? Yeah, Osiris. Um, he's a sun god, and you know that born on the December the twenty fifth, and uh, you know to a virgin, and there's all kinds of comparisons yeah. there. If you go on the internet, I mean, to it, you know, it, to, to me, it was the research. That proved to me that that story wasn't true. There's more coming up. Plenty of time for you and your thoughts here. we got hour number three on the way. The number's 855-450-FREE. If you're on the line, we will get to you. 1-855-450-3733. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. A 
science fiction comic adventure from Big Head Press. Quantum Vibe! It's year 2523. There are colonies on Venus, Mars, and Mercury. People travel in bubbles, fly at hyperspeed. With brain implants and artificial gravity. A scientific genius and his clever assistant set out on an adventure through the solar system. On a secret mission to find the key to access new frontiers and save liberty. Quantum Vibe! There's a robot girl and zany creatures made with genetically engineered features. And corporate villains crave the opportunity to steal a profit from mother's ingenuity. A scientific genius and his clever assistant set out on an adventure through the solar system. On a secret mission to find the key to access new frontiers and save liberty. Quantum Live. You can bring up anything you want here as we launch into the third hour of the live Saturday edition of the program with you in studio tonight. It's Ian and Mark. 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website. Head over to freetalklive.com. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. And the features on the site, we give them away. So do enjoy them. Uh, You can get interactive with other Free Talk Live listeners. In fact, one of the main features of the site actually allows you to control the content. Everything you see on that main page as you scroll down has been created by listeners like you. All those items that have numbers next to them, those are votes. Those those numbers are. You can vote up or vote down on any one of the items on our website. And the more upvotes something gets, especially if it's on the upcoming stories page, the more likely it is to be promoted off of the upcoming stories page and make it to the front page of the website. Plus, you can submit things to the site as well. Go and get the details over at freetalklive.com. As we continue with you and your thoughts, we've been talking about bigotry and uh, you know what it takes to eliminate bigotry from the bigot's uh, life, and that is typically experience. And uh, experience can wipe away ignorance, which can help with uh, solving that problem. But what originally brought all this uh, conversation about was a story that ABC News did on a guy who wrote a book called Cross in the Closet. He was a straight Christian who was raised to believe homosexuality was a sin and then ended up coming to a real turning point in his life where he decided he was going to come out as gay, even though he, point of fact, wasn't. Uh, He was going to come out as though he was gay to all of his family and uh, friends just so he could experience what that was like for somebody who is gay. And it really changed his perspective. It allowed him to truly empathize with, uh, with other – with gay people. And now he's not a hater anymore. Now he's not a homophobe. And he has gay friends and is a much more well-rounded cons- person. I don't think anybody considers themselves to be a homophobe. No one out there. Well, maybe he maybe he didn't consider himself to be a homophobe while he was a homophobe. But it's I think looking term. back on it – That's the point I'm trying to make. I think looking back on it, he probably could admit that he was. So we're just talking about uh, you know changing people's minds and and how you might have had a, an experience similar to this guy and you know what you used to believe and then what you've changed into and we actually ended up getting somebody who claimed uh, that he was you know a, a Christian and uh, as and also a gay man and it led to some more religiously I guess theological discussions and such so eight five five four fifty free that's the SACL CAI toll free line let's continue. With you and your thoughts, we'll go to Mike listening in Tupelo to WKMQ in Mississippi. Hey, Mike. Hi, how are you doing? Hey, great. What's on your mind tonight? Well, 
I, I'm a Christian, and uh, I'm a little bit nervous talking on the radio my first time. That's all right. We'll go but, easy on you. But, you know, um, you know, I just want you to know that I do feel like as a Christian, you know, the Christian community has failed as far as reaching homosexuals, but, you know, it doesn't mean we don't love them. And, and every action, you know, that a Christian takes should be, uh, should be to turn to help someone, what, whatever sin they're involved in. If, mm. it's, if it's, uh, you know, if a man's cheating on his wife, uh, we, we want to help him to see the error of his ways and to, to repent and turn back. What and, do you think you know, about the, person, the, 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 the sky statements that 95% of his friends, uh, turned their backs on him and didn't speak to him again? What do I think about that? Yeah. Um, I think they shouldn't have, I think they should have, uh, should have uh, witnessed to him and should have uh, still been his friend and should have been Christ-like in that. Uh, Jesus, you know, he, he uh, conf- there was a woman that, that was found in adultery, and uh, they were about to stone her, and he, uh, he told them, you know, not to, uh, those that were without sin, to cast the first stone. Mm-hmm. But he didn't stop there. He told them also, told her also, uh, to go and sin no more. And so when we're confronted with our sin, and, you know, uh, salvation involves repentance, and repentance means to turn, and we have to turn from our sin. And in today's modern world, sin has uh, lost its meaning. There is no sin anymore. If we use uh, the standard of this man's a good man, and, and therefore, you know, the people that we come in contact with that are that are gay and they're good people, we have to use that standard on everything. Do we use that on people that are cheating on their wives? Do we use it on pedophiles? Do we use it on, you know, what other, if there ceases to be a standard for sin. Yeah, there's, there's a verse where Jesus says um, that something about if you if you say raka to your brother, um, that you'll go before the Sanhedrin or something like that. And I say to you that if you uh, call a man a fool, that you'll face hellfire. And it's interesting that this is this is a statement about judgment. And I think that um, I, I think that we're all, including Christians, um, are uh, we're guilty of this judgment, and that the judgment that. One can't change anyone's uh, um, anyone's way of living without first understanding it, and they can't understand it without putting aside their judgment. And this is where Christians really fall down. Well, let me ask you this question: Sure. When you're going down the road and you're you're doing a seventy and a fifty-five, yep, and you get pulled over by a police officer, okay, and he uh, he says you just got caught. Doing seventy and a fifty-five, I have to write you a ticket. You say you're judging. You say you don't. No, you don't. You say he says no. It's the law. It's already written, and God's word is is already written, and it's unchanging. And from the Old Testament to the New, God is unchanging. Well, thanks for the call and, tonight, Mike. Appreciate hearing from you at eight five five four fifty free. I tell him you're being audio and video recorded. <laughs> yeah, and then I tell him I'm not going to pay his ticket. Take it to court. I don't care what your law says. It's just words by men written words on by paper. Yeah. Just like the Does Bible. Does it make it right? Just like now, the Bible. I do think that there are... Uh, just like the Koran, yep. by the way. Words words written by men. I mean, it's all you have to do is research the bu- books that were left out of the Bible, and then you'll be kind of like, huh, how did, this wasn't, it wasn't the writing, it was the editing that got what it got into the Bible. Mm-hmm. And no one, I've never heard, in all the, in all the time I spent in... in uh, 
Christian school and all that stuff, you always told that God wrote the Bible. But the any reporter will tell you it's the editor that in fact has the voice in the story yeah. because the editor decides what was written, what part goes in and what part goes out. Yeah, they take some out, write the titles. So when you're talking about all these books uh, that were left in and, and put out and you know voted on, really, God's in the voting? Because I think we can probably look here at the, the Christian nation, the United States, and look and see that they, you know God wasn't in the voting when it came to electing presidents, that we've had some pretty crappy ones throughout the years. Well, and you know, why, why would God, this all-omnipotent, all-powerful being, have to use a hand, the hand of a man to write this? Didn't he inscribe the uh, Ten Commandments on his own? I mean, didn't they just appear on the tablets? I don't know. It's, Moses was up on that uh, that that mountain for months. So, I mean, what kind of an all powerful God needs to have uh, a man to do his asked, bidding? I've often asked this question: Is if God really wanted to let me, a creature who otherwise would not know that uh, He exists? I mean, I think you can tell. For me, I can tell God exists by looking at you know the world and the trees and all these things. And I, to me, it's just obvious. But whatever, if He wanted to make it clear to me what rules He wanted me to follow, He could have dropped a, a you know. The Ten Commandments on uh, you know a, a building-sized granite block, yeah, sure. and uh, humans would have gathered around and said, "Oh, here's the word of God." Rather than um, would have been real obvious then, yeah, right? yeah. Than, than having to uh, pick a, a group of people and kill his way through the Middle East in order to uh, get that uh, um, that word spread. Let's go to Joseph. He's listening in Madison, Wisconsin, to the Mike ninety two point one WXXM. Go ahead, Joseph. Hey guys. Hey, what's uh, anyway? I'm the same guy with the uh, with the information on the Spartans last week, so I have information on on Greek again for you. Okay, very good. Because uh, I'm also a pre seminary student. Oh boy! Uh, uh, so you wanted you wanted an answer to your question to the question of of where does it say it in the New Testament? Yes, does the New uh, Testament directly speak in Greek? Because this is another problem I have with the Bible is you know people will always uh, be quoting Greek and Aramaic and things like this and telling you what the Bible really says that if God really wanted me to know what his Bible says, why didn't he write it in English? It's not like an all-knowing God didn't know English back 4000 years mm-hmm. ago. How come he didn't write it in English? Well, he cuz he wrote it for the in the language that the people were speaking. He could have written one for me though. If, if, he loves me, doesn't he? Of course he does. There you go. Here's here's your question. Or here's here's the answer to your question. Wait, wait, Uh, wait a second. I want to hear the the, the answer when we come back. We'll do that here in a moment. Stand by, Joseph. We'll bring you back. 855-450-FREE is the toll-free number. Phones are loaded, by the way, so patience, and we will get to you. 1-855-450-3733. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever you want. Yeah. I mean, even if English hadn't been invented in our time frame God yet, knows it. God certainly he, knows he it. exists outside of time. Exactly. More coming up. Free Talk Live. Do you have a website or product that you make available to people nationally or even internationally? Free Talk Live is heard on more than 100 radio stations and two XM channels. FTL's also been voted five times the best political podcast of the year and four times been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list, the 100 most important radio programs in the country. We can do ad packages for you from as little as $500 a month on up to $3,000. I'll work with you to customize a package that will work within your budget. Contact me, Mark, at mark at freetalklive.com. Thank you. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. All you have to do is dial in toll-free at 855-453. That number is brought to you by SACL CAI, 1-855-450-3733. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We'll continue with the uh, pre-seminary student here in moments. Bitcoins, uh, uh, they are an online peer-to-peer open source currency. They're money for the internet. With Bitcoins, uh, Bitcoins are both a money and a money transfer system. So you can download the Bitcoin software at bitcoin.org. Go find out more about it. We use coins.org first, but uh, you can download it and send and receive money in minutes. Uh, you can send and receive money without paying any fees. Yet no one can mess with your account in any way. They can't freeze your account. They No one can inflate the Bitcoin currency. They cannot uh, print them. They can't counterfeit them. In no way can Bitcoins uh, be messed with because they are sort of this unbreakable code. Go find out more at WeUseCoins.org. And you can get your free online uh, wallet at blockchain.info. At blockchain.info, when you get one of their wallets, you can send bitcoins to people via email, to your Facebook friends, or to anyone's cell number in just about any country around the world. Bitcoins are going to change the world. That's my prediction, and you can find out more at weusecoins.org. All right, so let's continue. We've got Joseph on the line listening to the Mike 92.1 WXXM in Madison, Wisconsin. And you were going to get to some point, but we had to go to the break, so go ahead with your thoughts. All right, so you, you wanted an answer about the Greek and the Bible, and then I, I have one other thing I want you to think about after that. Um, there, is, there is a Greek word, it's 1 Corinthians 6, 9, um, that uh, the, the Greek word is arsenokoitai, and uh, there's, it's actually debated whether it really means homosexuality or homosexual acts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you break down the Greek word, it, what it literally means is to lie with a man or for a man to lie in a bed. And there, and one of the arguments against it meaning homosexuality is that there's an early church um, father in Constantinople who uses the word to refer to what men's wives do. And so, it, it, but where it falls in the in the text is in a list of sins. And so, what we have to do is we have to put it in context and understand that what the word is doing is it's it's being used to say it's a sin to engage in an act of sex with a man. And presumably that's not an, an act of, of, you know, sex between a man and a woman. Um, so, therefore, what must it mean? Well, it must mean something else. Therefore, it gets translated as homosexuality. And that's how we get to homosexuality in the New Testament. Because I've heard people say that uh, homosexuality isn't even mentioned in the New Testament in the original Greek. And I really didn't know one way or the other. Um, I don't doubt it at all. I mean, obviously, to me, I believe that the uh, I believe the Bible is a is a view of people's religious beliefs throughout history. And obviously, their cultural beliefs are going to be inculcated into that uh, text. And it doesn't surprise me in the least, because there's going to be people that think the homosexuality is a good idea and think people that think it's a bad idea. I have one last thought for you about, because um, I, I always hear this language of, well, why doesn't God do this, or why didn't God do this? And, and here's, here's, here's my thought for you. Imagine, what if God did do that? What if God did give the answers or revealed himself in such an obvious way that people absolutely, entirely, certainly believed? Wouldn't that be the end of free will? Wouldn't we all just have to do whatever he says? I mean, or or if God revealed Himself to everyone, and said, "See, here I am. You can you can test me and prove that I'm God." And 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 now everyone knows absolutely, certainly. And then He 
goes away well, and, and doesn't leave us with an absolute firm law where we have no lives and no existence and can't make any decisions, then I if think it goes that, away, leaving us with uncertainty, then we go back to worrying over what God really wants. Well, I think that the, the suggestion that somehow if I don't have truth uh, in my life that I can't make a, um, a, a choice out of free will, that truth somehow subjugates free will, is doesn't make any sense. If I were to tell my son it's okay for him, that he should run out and play in the street because that's a safe thing to do, I would be an evil individual. And I have not educated him and given him truth. But if I tell him that if you go in the street, you're liable to be hit by cars, then, you know, he's living in a world where he understands. The most important decision you can make, if the Bible is true and everything that I've been taught in church is true, is to believe that Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. I have chosen to not believe that because I don't believe it's true. And therefore, like if my father loved me, he probably should have given me the enough information so that I could make that decision. It's not like I chose to be born. It's not like I chose to play his game. This game is his game. And if he's going to throw me into eternal hell for failing to play his game, he's an evil individual I don't want to spend eternity with. Well, I don't think that's—well, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm just speaking from my personal take on it. I know other Christians have different viewpoints. I, I think in the end, the— the, the condemnation that the Bible speaks of is not meant to be an internal type, an eternal damnation of fire and brimstone. I think it's I think it's the condemnation of of not knowing um, the Savior. I think it's that living living a life without knowing the Savior is a painful life, and and that's how I, I for me that was I I spent uh, I don't know ten fifteen years as an agnostic and my life as as a quote-unquote saved person, um, has, has definitely been much better because of that internal knowledge or that bond that I have with my Creator. I think that's awesome, and as long as you're not running around teaching kids about hell, I don't really care what you believe. Um, I, frankly, speaking as a person who was raised as a Christian, my life is better now, and the, you know, the worst part as far as religion goes is trying to strip off those old stupid ideas I was inculcated with. I I have to say it's refreshing. Joseph, I mean, would you call yourself a Christian? Because certainly you have an atypical belief system for uh, what you believe after death for Christians. I I, I would actually say that that's not as atypical as it sounds. I think that, and I do call myself a Christian. Like I said, I'm I'm going to seminary. I I very much hope to be ordained as a pastor. So, uh, and from what I've encountered dealing with other people who are, you know, in the process of going to seminary, it's those types of views those variations on, on, on the old standard Christianity are not as atypical as you think, or as you might think. Um, and, and the problem is that our, the media today likes to grab onto these really angry, loud, vocal groups, and, and those of us who are contemplative and peaceful Christians we're not out there screaming. It's true. We're You're not, not going to get the same kind of press down. coverage. You're absolutely right about yeah. that. Joseph, thank you for the call. Appreciate relatively level-headed uh, approach. Appreciate hearing from you tonight. 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. And what you said there, Mark, at the very end of that call was interesting. Like, you know, as long as you're not teaching kids about hell— because it really poisoned you, right? I, I think that when I think it really did. I think that when you talk about hell, that you're you're twisting the situation. You're putting out there this artificial uh, motivation, and it's that a boogeyman. It's a boogeyman, and that you should do X in order to avoid hell, mm-hmm. and that's the opposite of morality. Morality says to me, and remember, I spent eight and a half years in prison 
and I went to a Christian school. I was a Sunday school uh, in high school. I taught Sunday school. I had a real turnaround at about 17, 16, 17 years old where I decided this stuff was just not true. And I didn't have a basis in morality because somebody had taught me I should do the right things because of hell, not because the right things would result in a good life and mm. that I'd be able to deal with people better and that it'd be, you know, my life would be better. Yep. They taught me about hell. You know, you can say what you want about it, but I think that it I think it twists kids' minds. 855-450-FREE. The SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control here. Bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give five bucks a month to the AMP program. It's my firm belief that Free Talk Live's AMP program is the best use of your charitable dollar among liberty-oriented organizations. Support all the organizations you love. But make sure you give five bucks a month to AMP at amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, toll-free number, 855-453. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. Oh, regardless of your religious belief system, you might be interested in the Free State Project. There are people within the Free State Project uh, who are atheists, who are devoted Christians or devout Christians. Uh, there are people who are Muslims. There are other folks who have various different religions, religious beliefs. And the lack thereof. But are divergent and, uh, and those who don't. Yes, all of those things are included because the Free State Project is not about religion. It's about the ideas of liberty. It's about the freedom to live your life how you want, so long as you don't harm anybody else, to allow others to be free, to believe what they want, to allow others to be free, to live how they want. And uh, if you are willing to allow others to be free, then you yourself might actually have a chance of being free. So if you want to be more free and you want to be with others who think the same way that you do about the ideas of liberty, you should go to freestateproject.org and get signed up. We have now crossed the 1,100 mark. There are now over 1,100 people in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. There are over 13,000 people who are pledged to make the move here as part of the Free State Project. And we want to reach 20,000. We want that 13,000 to grow to 20,000. So it could be you that could help us make that happen. Go to freestateproject.org to learn more. Uh, we can continue here with you and your thoughts. Well, real quick, uh, before we go on, I wanted to make yeah. a point about what Philip said about uh, God giving us free will through ignorance. And the idea is, is that God, if God made it clear what his will was by, say, writing uh, the Ten Commandments in the sky in fire or something like that, mm-hmm. um, then – we wouldn't have free will. And to me, this, this, is, this is not Philip's idea. This is old apologist stuff. Um, it's nothing new at all. And to me, it just doesn't make any sense. Because if uh, ignorance doesn't, doesn't give one the ability to make better decisions, it gives them the ability to make worse decisions. Bumping around in a dark room is not free will. It is a person who is lost. Yeah. And to turn the light on, then they can decide what door they want to go out or what they want to do. But they need to have the light to have free will. You may not have free will without truth. And God, if he is this God of the Bible, has not provided us uh, for, you know, truth, so therefore he has not provided us free will. Now, I contend that, the God, that God is not the God of the Bible. Yeah. 
and that the God of the Bible is simply the understanding of some Bronze Age, uh, you know, tribes um, in the Middle East and that, you know, it's modified and and moved throughout life. But, you know, that we're held back in our understanding of God by this book. Absolutely true. In fact, uh, if you look at the different religions of the world, some of the different religions of the world, for instance, you look at Christianity and then uh, Islam, you look at Muslims, uh, you'll see that, you know, the Quran came out after uh, Jesus was alive and all that stuff happened. And the when the Quran came out, uh, what the, one of the biggest messages was was, hey, the Bible got some stuff wrong, and here's what they got wrong. Mm-hmm. And the the Quran was essentially an issue, you know, God supposedly issuing a correction. And you know, at that time, it was being done orally. They were not writing this down. It wasn't written down until you know later. Uh, but uh, it was. Muhammad, the Prophet Muhammad, was was literally reciting uh, orally what it was that he was supposedly, you know, communicated by the angel that uh, that he met in a cave or where was it happened. Uh, but the point being that uh, they, you know, once again, God not providing clarity, yeah. sending an angel to one guy, um, not providing clarity. But the message was that. The original message was, you know, mostly right, but wrong on these areas. And one of the points they wanted to make was that the the whole Trinity thing, misinterpretation, there's just one God, was one of the big, big yeah. tenets for big, big you know, being a Muslim versus a Christian. And uh, and similarly, there have been others, you know, who have claimed to have been prophets over the years who have said, oh, well, they, you know, you got it wrong. This is the way it's supposed to be. Or here's the more accurate message is what God would say to you today. Knowing what you know today, people, here's here's what his message would be to you today. Uh, but of course, anybody that comes and says they're a prophet of God is going to be disbelieved because they'll be, you know, written off as uh, as a crazy crazy person. But how do you know, right? How do you know what the the truth really is? How do you know if that person shouting on the street corner isn't actually, you know, a, a, a conduit for something greater? I'm gonna be. I'm just gonna make, go ahead and make the guess that they're not. Yeah, eight five five four fifty free. I think you have to interpret your own experiences. Take what others tell you and take the best of what you think you know makes the most sense and, and kind of discover your own path. I don't know if there is one right answer uh, for everybody as far as a religious belief system is, uh, is concerned. Certainly the world's religions uh, make that pretty clear. I mean people believe very strongly some quite divergent things all in the name of God, all many, many of whom believing it's the one true way. Let's continue though with you and your thoughts. Uh, we will go to Dave, who's listening in California to KGOE. Hey, Dave. Gentlemen, your show is very much appreciated. You do indeed invite free talk and free thought, and that is the road to sound mental health. I am calling as one who spent a lot of years as a psychologist, and I remain an active uh, member of the Unitarian Universalist. And I think, at least to some degree, I can speak for both. We really believe that where two human beings can feel an attraction to one another, uh, an affection, a love for one another, that's not only normal, that's healthy. A couple of your callers, they were troubling. They wanting to be good believers in whatever their holy book was telling them were taking on a lot of guilt that is totally without justification. I agree with you, Dave. Absolutely. I think that uh, if if somebody's if somebody's gay and uh, is looking for a church, that the Unitarian Universalist Church is Good a one. place to take a look. Uh, they will provide you with a lot of the the you know the sort of feelings of a traditional church, and in uh, but they're very accepting. Um, you know, they wave. They, a, they've got a rainbow flag out front of the Unitarian well, Church in Keene. Yeah, they've got a, uh, a gay minister here in Keene. Um, you know, I'm a Quaker, and generally. 
you know, the, what they call liberal unprogrammed Quakers tend to feel this way, but there's lots of Quakers that don't. Oh, I think it's a, very much a healthy vantage, and it's troubling that there are still those who cling to guilt-based, fear-based beliefs, and that's what they're taught, and they're trying to live up to what they're taught, but I think it's sad, and I wish that I could somehow encourage them to be open. Yes, if they were to walk to a Unitarian program, they would find themselves indeed welcomed and caused to feel a whole new I'll relook at what they're all about. Great call, Dave. I appreciate hearing from you tonight. Thank you. 855-450-FREE. I like how he pointed out that you know a lot of these religions are fear-based. That's how they motivate people, and that's not healthy. So uh, the Unitarian Universalist Church was the sort of conjoining of two churches, the Universalists and the Unitarians. Go figure. Mm. And uh, the Unitarians believe there's one God, not three. And that's their tenet. And I think that it's a very, you know, like the Muslims. Yeah, it's what I believe. And secondarily, uh, the universalists believe that everybody goes to heaven, that God didn't create children in order to cast them into hellfire. (laughs) Right. What a sicko. And so, um, you know, these two churches. I I love you, Mark. Now burn. I have a lot of affection for. (laughs) I've never enjoyed going to their churches in particular, but I think other people would. I really do. I mean, and. So, you know, they're not for me, but they're, I'm sure, for other people. Absolutely. Let's go to Tariq, listening in West Virginia to WVTS. Hey, Tariq. Hello. Yeah, I just had a few uh, questions. I don't really, haven't really formulated an opinion necessarily. Like, I, have just, I haven't really thought about homosexuality, like, in my life, because I'm not gay. And I've had gay friends. I just never really thought about it, because I don't judge people based on, you know, what they do. Um, but when people started asking me what I thought about it, I mean, I don't know, but, um, I don't know if this is true or not, but someone one time told me that there was, and I actually looked it up. I can't remember the specific, um, references to it, but there was a study done saying that, um, homosexuals actually live shorter lives than heterosexuals. I don't know. Have you ever heard of this before or not? Um, and and if this is true, uh, what did you be considered a bigot if you just considered homosexuality and homosexuality and just equated it with alcoholism like I, as far as treating it the same way? I think that uh, if homosexuals live shorter lives, and this is a better question for the folks over at Flaming Freedom. Uh, it's, a, it's a radio program that we sponsor to, to some extent. Um, they, they, they would know these things better than we would. But if, if they do live shorter lives, I suspect it uh, to some extent had, would have to do with suicide by not being accepted um, by the, the society at the whole, as a whole. I think that society as a whole generally doesn't accept homosexuality very well, and that can be very but difficult. Would you, would you be a bigot, though, if you considered it like alcoholism? I well, don't know. Alcoholism is a choice. And no, you're born with uh, the genes, supposedly. Yeah, Hang on, we're coming up. Free Talk Live. Teaching without preaching the ideals of liberty. To young and old alike, Libertania, The Liberation of Conformia, is a picture book which tells the story of Thomas the Candymaker and his trip from the free land of Libertania to the statist land of Conformia, where he deals with border crossings, fiat money, business regulations, and corrupt officials. With his civil disobedience and run for office, Conformia will never be the same. Go to Libertania.com to purchase your copy today in print or Kindle format. For a discount code, check out the Libertania Facebook page. This is Free Talk Live. Moments remain. Not going to give you the number because There's we are no point. probably not going to be able to get you on tonight unless you're already on hold, in which case you then have a chance. Uh, but if you are on hold and you don't get on tonight, 
no problem. You can call another night because we do the show seven nights per week. And we do it live, Monday through Sunday, every single night from 7 until 10 at night Eastern Time. Now, there's one thing I'd like to point out here because I was just getting reamed out by uh, Ed from Tennessee on the phones a moment ago as I was uh, in, in the studio here. Because I picked up the, the studio lines to tell Ed, hey, we're probably not going to get you on tonight because you know there's too many calls on hold that we're going to put on before we're going to put your call on. So I was trying to do Ed the favor of giving him a heads up and you know saving him to... The, the hassle of having to hold for another 10 minutes just to find out that he's not going to get on. And he reams me out for uh, being a coward and, and not wanting to take his call or something like that, which is ridiculous. Let me explain briefly how uh, we make determination as to who gets on the air and what, what manner here. Tom from New Hampshire has been on hold for an hour and a half tonight. And that's not because, you know, he's Tom from New Hampshire. It's because we hear from him frequently. It's because I want to hear from people we don't hear from frequently. I think that's more interesting to hear from new people that uh, you know don't get on the show every other night or you know at least once a week or something like that. And Tom from New Hampshire has been a uh, prolific caller as of the last few weeks. He seems to be calling the show every single night. Which so, is fine. So why would I want to give him any preference over people we've never talked to before? Same thing with Ed from Tennessee. I like Ed from Tennessee. I think he's a good caller. But I've never heard Gary in Myrtle Beach or Rick in Chicago or Don in Myrtle Beach. These are people that I've not uh, you know, talked to before. So I would like to talk to those people first. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. You can call on a night where we don't have as heavily uh, trafficked phones like every single night during the week. Feel free to call us then. You'll get on much faster if you are one of the more regular folks who calls the show. So it's nothing personal. Let's continue here with uh, Tariq listening in West Virginia. Go ahead, uh, Tariq, with your thoughts. Yeah, basically just with the basis that I said there, basically just what is the difference, you would say, between homosexuality and alcoholism? Well, I think that, well, you'd ask the question, is it bigotry to consider homosexuality like alcoholism? Was that your question previously? Yeah, yes. And not only is or Well, no, is no, I think bigot, you know, I think bigotry has to do with uh despising, with uh with hating, with, you know, discriminate very very negative kind of discrimination. So, I mean, unless you hate uh alcoholics, then no, I wouldn't say that's the same thing. No. I I mean, and and do you also think that I mean, it, I don't know. I it just it just that I could not come up with a way of Arguing against that argument, basically that that it is, I think that, to alcoholism. I think homosexuality and heterosexuality have inherent health risks, and as does alcoholism. It's a way that one wishes to choose, uh, chooses to wish to live one's life, and that um, you know both of these things are caused by both nature and nurture, and that we should respect other people's decisions. Um, and you can choose to live near them or not live near them based on their behavior. Tariq, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate your thoughts. Let's continue here. We'll go to Gary listening in Myrtle Beach to WRNN, South Carolina. Hey, Gary. Hey, how you doing? Welcome, sir. I uh, just wanted to uh, touch base on the fact that um, I had a, a family member who had AIDS and was a homosexual and uh, went through a long and very cruel process of dying, which I was there with him, talked to him the day before he died, asked him, did he believe in God? And he told me no. And uh, I'm a Christian, but I basically told him that whatever you do believe in, get right with it, and I love you, and I tried to put peace. But one of my biggest questions, well, one of my questions is, is uh, earlier on, you mentioned homophobe. Can you define that? What exactly is a homophobe? 
It's an excellent question. I would say that uh, somebody who's a homophobe is somebody who is very angry uh, towards gay people, frightened of them, uh, does not want to be in contact with them, may believe that they will contract gayness from them. I mean, I'm sure there are a variety of different ways that that question can be answered, but certainly somebody who is anti-gay to the point of uh, extremity. Okay, well, because I don't believe in homosexuality. I don't think You don't believe uh, in it? no, I think it's perverse, uh, some of the uh, sexual acts that are performed and things like that, but it doesn't make me a hater or a, uh, uh, a bad person. I mean, I have no no qualms with people that choose to go that way, but just because I disagree with it doesn't categorize me as a hater. Or I didn't say that, you know, I wouldn't say that you're a homophobe. I mean, if you aren't uh, trying to avoid contact with gay people uh, or calling them, you know, terrible names or anything like that, then no, you wouldn't be a homophobe. Would you would you not agree that society though uh, would categorize most people that disagree with homosexuality as homophobic? I don't know though? what society is. So, society yeah. is just a group of individuals. Come I think together. there's a swing okay. well, out there. I think there's a swing out there that kind of is uh, you know now if you don't accept everything about uh, this particular lifestyle that somehow you're a hater of it. And I don't think that's necessarily true. There's lots of lifestyles out there that you know. They don't do anything. They leave me kind of cold and icky. Um, and I don't think that I hate those people because they participate in those lifestyles. Okay. Yeah, I'm not interested in, uh, in you know, whips and chains and that sort of thing. But that doesn't mean I hate those people. I think, hey, to each his own. If that's what you're into, you just have yourself tie yourself right up and have yourself a good old time. It ain't for me, though. Yeah, well, the earlier caller, the reason why I even called him was because he didn't sound like a hater to me, and, and you just referred to him as a homophobe and a hater. And I, I don't think I called I anyone a homophobe tonight. The one Did from I? way back. Did I? I don't know. It's okay. been three hours. <laughs> I don't even remember who you're talking right. about yeah, at this anyway, point. It was you. The only thank time I recall that. using the term homophobe was as part of the article that we were reading where it says that the person who was <clears throat> the straight Christian who turned gay for a year to experiment and to kind of uh, get, you know, he came out as gay, but he wasn't actually gay. They That article used the word homophobe, but I don't recall calling anyone a homophobe. Did I? I yes, you did. Okay. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. You're quick to toss around terms like that. Yeah. Anybody doesn't believe like you. Okay, thank you for your time. Thanks for the call, Gary. Appreciate that. Uh, 855-450-FREE. That is the uh, SACL CAI toll-free line here. Uh, actually, I said I wouldn't give that out again, but I wish I could remember which call he was talking about. We've talked to so many people here tonight who you know, may, may have various different levels of being not so supportive of gay people. I don't remember which one that was. So let's continue with Don listening also in Myrtle Beach to South Carolina. If I called somebody something that they're not, I'll, I'll apologize for it, but I'd have to remember what the, the call was. <laughs> let's go to Don. You're listening to our WRNN as well. Go ahead, sir. Hello, guys. Live for your life. Hey, Don. What's on I your mind? Not, listen, Martin Luther King, uh, civil rights. And that's not just for black people. That's for the gay. And I'm not gay. My wife but you may be an alcoholic. I am. I uh, just taken a wild shot there, a wild <laughs> turkey, if you will. But I, you know, it's civil rights, and that's the way I look at it for gay rights. It's not. It's civil rights. How about just rights? I mean, what's the, isn't there a difference between civil rights and rights? Aren't civil rights rights that are supposedly granted to you by governments? But then there's rights which are just inherent because you're a human being. I like rights. All across the board. You're right. And you're right, as we say, it's with an R-I-G-H-T. 
Um, you know, it's civil rights. And Martin Luther King lived and died uh, not just for uh, the Afro-Americans, which are, most of them aren't from Africa. Well, not most of them, but a good portion of them are. Uh, and Thank you for that. You know, I appreciate that because when you are inebriated, it makes it more likely that a curse word will slip out. So. Right. So I appreciate that you are cognizant uh, at this point. How have how much have you been drinking tonight? Well, let's see. I had a uh, half a pint of rum with my uh, green tea. <laughs> Green tea. I mix it. Not nice. So is yeah. this like a Saturday night tradition? I, I, you sit down. I, I'm glad WRNN put your show on. Me too. Down here in South Carolina. Because I used to live in New England. Oh, yeah? I'm from Rhode Island. And I visited your state more than once. And, you know, New uh, Hampshire is one of the New Hampshire is one of the drinkingest states uh, in the United States. Not quite as heavy as Wisconsin, but uh, it is up there. Well, they have beer. Well, they make it right there. And now another thing I want to bring up. <laughs> yes, if you don't mind if I can go to another. You can take us out the. You can take us out the show, man. Go for it. <laughs> you I would like to drop the electoral college and go to a popular vote. You think that and that's I'm working what, on a what problem is that going to solve? Well, I think uh, is somebody cracking ice over there. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should go to an like uh, he's got a keen ear. Eliminate the electoral college and go strictly to the popular vote. <laughs> oh, I Thanks hope for the happen. call. <laughs> I hope you and have I yourself a good night. I'm glad you're out there, I'm Don. All right. Thanks for the call. <laughs> oh, gosh. See you tomorrow night. Online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. All right. Well, this is a very special interview. Uh, Ian just recently bought a piece of equipment for me. We're going. I'm going to be going down to the uh, next week to the debates that are being held in Washington, D.C., fairandequal.org. And he got a piece of equipment. It was called the Tascam D... X07 Mark II or something like that. I can't remember what this thing exactly is, but it's a little gizmo to record, and it looks it looks fancy, and I think that's the most important part. You could probably do your recording with any old uh, MP3 player out there, but it just doesn't look as fancy, and so when you, you're a professional, you need something that looks fancy. Anyway, I was fiddling around with it. I needed to learn how to use it properly. We don't have one of these pieces of equipment, and so I uh, did an interview. I did an ad interview with my son, Jack, and then I needed, of course, to make sure that I could could do more than one interview at a time and stack them up. So I did a second one. If you find these interviews amusing, we've squished them together here. Um, if you find these interviews amusing, I hope you do. And if you don't, well, you know, tough. It's not like it costs you anything. So there you go. This is my interview with my son, Jackson Stewart Edgington, on the electoral process. Who is that? President Day 2. Ooh, and the son is President Day you think that the sun is would make a better president than Pluto would? Mm-hmm. What is it about the sun's leadership abilities that you find so enticing? Because Pluto could be even a dwarf planet. Because Pluto's a dwarf. Because of Pluto's recent demotion, 
to dwarf planet status. You feel that there's some kind of, uh, you know, perhaps something that went on that uh, Americans aren't entirely mm-hmm. um, yep. sure of? Yep. Yep. <laughs> it could have been anything. I mean, sometimes it wouldn't Charon necessarily have, have been, been like, the, yeah, like Charon is a prisony. So you think, you think that Pluto may have been demoted to dwarf planet status due to some, some, something to do with Charon's influence? Uh-huh. Now, this was echoed in the International Astrological Union's statement that Pluto did not dominate its moon. And, I mean, you know, so is, is it... What do you think it, about the binary relationship between Charon and Pluto might <coughs> be a problem for Pluto Plutonian presidency? Yeah, because Eris is always a presidency. There's always a presidency? It, do, you, mm-hmm. do you think that that's a problem, or do you think that the, the solar that's system... That's a problem. That's a problem. It's a problem. So you're really like the asteroid belt is a present too. So you think that self uh, actualization is the most important, and that Americans should have the option of voting none of the above? Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Well, at least you guys are in agreement. And Pluto and the Sun and the asteroid belt are present. So you think. I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused here. When discussing a solar system presidency, are you suggesting that all the major planets and one dwarf planet and then the asteroid belt also each have their own uh, seat at some kind of presidency, like a communal presidency table? Yes. Well, can you tell me a little more about that? Mm-hmm. Like, all of my balls are... So, when you're referring to (coughs) your balls, these are (coughs) representations of the planets that you like to, uh, you know, play with and model, that kind of thing. And Um, are you building, like, it's sort of like a little solar system presence? Well, we are, could be on the Earth, then we are on Mars. uh, If we were all on Mars, things would be different? Yeah, then... Jupiter and Saturn and Earth. How would things be different? Because we will all do the potatoes on Earth. <coughs> do you have a little cold? Yeah, but I don't know how to do this. Of the clips of the pie ears of Mushi or Honey or Mom. Are you now referring to our animals, Mush and, uh, Mushu Pork and uh, Fruit Loop, our dog Honey, Fruit Loop? Uh-huh, and, and always our... Just bump my recorder. Oops. Oops. It's okay. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. when we all do it. We all do it? Uh-huh. What do we do? Fike on here. You, you fike? What is a fike? A fike means you eat bagels. You eat bagels when you fike. Uh-huh. I see. Yeah, I'm going to hear this again. You want to hear that now? Uh-huh. You, thought, you think you've talked enough nonsense and you want to hear it now? Uh-huh. Do you, how about eating that bacon? Okay. What if the key to achieving liberty in your lifetime was to move together with others who think like you? 
liberty activists are joining the Free State Project, which is over halfway to its goal of 20,000 participants. And they're already making the move to New Hampshire. The successes are piling up and are proving the Free State Project is a real movement and no longer just a great idea. When you're planning your move, consider Keene. Keene is famous for its civil disobedience and non-cooperation, and there's plenty of political opportunity as well. From demonstrations and vigils to outreach and volunteering, there's a lot going on in Keene. Keene is also the undisputed Liberty Media capital of the world, with television, talk radio, and more, all originating here. Though it's more than just activism, with regular social events each week. See what's happening at freekeen.com and get connected with video, audio, free books, a forum, and activist tools you can download and use in your area at freekeen.com. That's freekeen.com.